Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. Today on the Ether, the women in Web3 space. Let's take a listen. Good evening, folks. Welcome, welcome to Women in Web3 Down to Business. We are here tonight. It is a beautiful Tuesday night on the East Coast of uh, the U.S., 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we are women of Web3. Uh, we also are a a diverse group of women. We are our doors are open to non-binary folks as well. We are a growing community here with the mission to celebrate and elevate women's voices in Web three. We want to facilitate connections. We want to make sure that paid partnerships are happening, uh, that employment is being offered to women, uh, that friendships are being forged. And we have three weekly shows right now with more coming very soon. Every Monday at 10 a.m. we have our networking breakfast. Tuesdays at 7 we are here to talk about business, ways that we can uh, just build better businesses together in Web3. And then Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern we have a founders meetup where we hear from founders who are already doing amazing things in Web3. Uh, we've had everybody from uh, DeFi founders all the way to uh, photographers, one of one artists actually building out amazing businesses in Web3. And we also have a, another pop-up show that happens on Fridays with Hanifa uh, that is called Music Minted Women, and that is at one o'clock on Friday. For those who are not familiar, we also have a pretty awesome Telegram channel where you can access our talent pool. We have a spreadsheet full of amazing women doing awesome things in Web3. Uh, also just information about, you know, hiring anybody who has positions open. We've all, we've actually already seen a couple of people get hired. I personally hired a copywriter from that list. So there's a lot of activity happening uh, and it's just a great place to connect with, uh, with your fellow women in, in web three who are doing awesome things. So welcome. Uh, I'm thrilled tonight that Sandy is able to join me. Sandy and I were, were in a space today together, one of Marianne Chisholm's spaces, and um, I just, uh, Sandy had so much value to offer the conversation. And I, I love that she is somebody who is not just, you know, talking the talk, but she's actively out there supporting creators in Web3. So Sandy, welcome. I'm so glad that you were able to join tonight. Hi, Rachel. Good evening, everybody. It's so good to be here. Yes, women in Web3. And it's my good fortune to know you and to hear you in your spaces and what you're doing for women in Web3 and just women in general empowerment. Um, so I salute you for your efforts and everything you're bringing. I am the co-founder of Womanverse. I'm also a photographer, photojournalist. I love black and white photography, but I'm also getting into the different part of the digital art space. And I'm trying to raise awareness for Cure GM1, a rare genetic disease that has, um, excuse me one minute, I gotta take a call. Sure. What's up, Shifra? You want to come up and say hello? Stage is open. And Koshi, welcome. 
Also, everybody is uh, everybody who's here is more than welcome to join the stage. Uh, we are just going to have a nice, easygoing conversation. I think we all need it after uh, after the crazy news that came out of the U.S. yesterday. Uh, I think we're all just still a little numb uh, processing. Uh, so, looking forward to just kind of a little bit more of a lighthearted conversation tonight, uh, just to uh, just to level the playing field a little. How are you doing, Shifra? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Hope you can hear me okay. Um, yeah, I can hear you. Uh, How you feeling? I'm actually now um, working as an assistant with Hanifa, so I'm one of those, I'm one of those yes. people that, yeah, found, um, I'm finding community and actually found work through, uh, through your Oh house. my gosh, this, this is exciting. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. How are you doing today? It's the end of the day for you over there, right? It sure is. It's been one of those days where I feel like I need to like clone myself and have five versions of myself to get everything done. But I'm sure everybody feels that in Web3. You always feel like there's so much more you should be doing, but it's it's an exciting time. But I think, you know, you you know this more than more than most of us. Like it's so important to like find your your center in the middle of the day because there's just so many things pulling you in so many different directions. Yeah, completely. One thing that was a really like light bulb moment for me with that sentiment was realizing that it's actually impossible to know everything. It's impossible to do everything. And especially just I'm like one of those like lifelong, we all are, I think, lifelong learners. And as soon as I realized that I'm like, oh, each little bit of information is just as valuable as the last bit of information you reach to gain mastery. And because you're never going to know it all anyway. And so that that perspective like really helps me with FOMO. <laughs> By the way, I just want to say thank you. I had to step out the real world. And you know what? I'm supposed to have surgery next month because I have a tumor on my ovary. Oh, my God. And I'm, I'm so glad I'm in the United States. It turns out it's not a cancerous tumor. But because of the COVID backup log of whatever, I've got the world's bestest insurance in California. Yes. But I, I still got to wait until June. So wow. this was a call from the nurse telling me that I had to go do a particular kind of test and they want to do all the tests. So, um, I, you know, I'm so excited because my, everything's all set up and I might even get in sooner. So, um, although I was stressing out a while back because honestly I freaked out because I didn't know if it was cancer or not, you know, and I'm not a spring chicken and you like to go to the deep end and knowing a little bit of information is dangerous. <laughs> so anyway, I'm glad that I'm in a good headspace and um, I'm here, I'm back with you and uh, I'm present. Thank you, Rachel. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that it wasn't uh Malignant, that's, and I'm glad that you're getting it taken care of. Health before anything else, absolutely. Exactly. As women, we should be doing. And you know what? I'm. I should have gone even sooner, but I. I just. Um. I thought it was something else that was going on. But uh -huh. then all of a sudden, I said, "You know what? I got to go to my doctor. I got to go get my yearly checkup." And I went in for leg pain. I went in for something completely different. And they're like, uh, we need to do surgery on you. You got a tumor on your ovary. We need to get you in here. So I was like, okay, you know what? Preventative healthcare is important, ladies. So thank you, Rachel. Absolutely. And we're, you know, we're lucky that we're afforded access to it. I mean, I, I know, I know we don't really want to focus on last night, but you know what happened in the U.S., but it's, it's hard not to talk about it. Um, given that so many women, a disproportionate amount of um, black and brown and low income people will not have access to safe healthcare. And, 
it just makes you take a massive pause. Um, oh, Rachel, this is such a sore spot. My grandmother had 15 births. She did not have access to child, you know, uh, preventative care. Wow. This is a this is you know on the other side of the world. So I come here and then I'm watching all this. It is terrifying from women who've come from places where they did not have access to anything because people just don't realize. Every time you have a baby, you can die. Why does that fact escape so many people? We risk our lives every time we have a baby, every single time. Yep. Um, as a as a former labor and delivery nurse, my body can't handle it anymore. I'm retired. Um, yeah. Um, thankfully, um, in my time, uh, we only lost one mom. But one mom's too much. And if we're forcing that on people, it's just, it's just preposterous. Um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to step down to listen as the room's sort of getting bigger, just, to, you know, as I feel like it's really hitting me real hard, but I'm, I'm here to listen. I'm here to take in all the good energy and remember to take deep breaths and hydrate. I like to remind everybody. I love y'all. I mean, we I'm love you, Chief Ruth. Thank you for being up here. All right, folks. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Women in Web 3. We have a bunch of topics that I would love to touch on tonight. So if you are here, uh, welcome, and you are more than welcome to come and share the stage with us. Uh, this is uh, a room for everybody. We want to make sure that everybody's voice is heard. Uh, so don't be afraid to hit that uh, speaker button, especially right now as it's a nice, quiet room. Uh, if you're somebody who hasn't had the chance to share in a space, I promise you we are a friendly bunch up here. We will make you feel comfortable. Um, it isn't as scary as you think once you get up here. And uh, we value your your input and your voice. So please don't be afraid to come on up. Uh, so Sandy is here. Sandy and I, uh, we've, we've been connected for a little bit, but I, I got to know Sandy a little more today in, in the space. And um First of all, Sandy, I love what you're doing in terms of, you know, you have this uh, motivation and this this uh, giving back element to what you're doing with your work to support this uh, rare genetic disorder. Um, but you're somebody who is focused on the Tezos chain. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of us, me included, are pretty naive to anything outside of Ethereum. And I think there's a lot of value and, and some of the things that you were sharing today, seemingly a lot of opportunity for artists that they're maybe not necessarily aware of. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, I'm the co-founder of Womanverse. We have a gallery, a museum of only Tezos NFTs. And so why is Tezos important? Ethereum is, of course, very important. That's the first one. But Ethereum has high gas fees. I'm sure you guys have all seen all the complaints about high gas fees. If you're going to do anything, the transaction costs are high. So the Tezos blockchain does not have that problem. So this is what people want to know. Do I have access to it? And can I afford it? So for artists around the world, whether you're in Africa or, you know, Cuba or Venezuela, you have access to this platform and you've got, uh, you know, it's not zero gas fees, but it's like eight cents. Like, do you care if you spend eight cents that you bought something? You know, for you and me, it's not a big deal. And for some other people is, but eight cents is a lot better than $180. Every time you want to sneeze on the Ethereum gas chain, you got some gas fees. So that's what's going on with Tezos. And the other thing about Tezos, 
is um, is the technology, right? So Ethereum's got all these problems, and you know because it's first, you know it's like you know the first car we made, you had to go out there and crank it, and it had limitations. And so as these other blockchains are are coming into existence, they you know that's why they, you know you might see the hashtag clean NFT or sustainable. So these are the things that are important about the Tezos. It, it has all the check marks. So I come from the crypto background. I've been invested in um, the blockchain for a long time. So I've been a collector in NFTs for a long time. And I'm mostly here to tell you that the people in blockchain and cryptos, they don't give a hoot about NFTs. We're not even like their ice cream money yet. Whereas the NFT space and the artists and the people that are buying and trading, they think it's like their entire lives. They're trying to pay their mortgage. So there's a few things going on in the space. So I'm trying to bring literacy to the blockchain. That's my goal. I I don't have any preference, whether you're Ethereum, whether you're Tezos, whether you're Solano or Cardano. I have NFTs on all the different blockchains. And I live on the Ethereum blockchain, as well as the Tezos blockchain and CRO. And so the Cosmos ecosystem is the next thing that everyone's going to realize is a big deal. And the reason that is, is because we're going to be able to bridge between Ethereum and Cosmos and therefore eliminate gas fees. It's hard to like not go on and on and talk a lot, but basically gas fees are going to be a thing of the past. If the only thing you heard today is that gas fees are going to be over. All right. And that's not happening on Tezos. Um, That's happening through the Cosmos ecosystem. So if you want to be literate, follow Cosmos spaces and understand about what is that blockchain and why they are so incredible and why, despite all the up and down and then the numbers and prices, they went from like a dollar to $50 and then back down to 20 because there's a lot going on in that blockchain. So I love Tezos because it's established. The NFT community is strong. There's a lot of collectors. There's a lot of parties. And we have a lot of community and places where people are selling their work. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, things have been really dry lately. Something's going on and nobody's really selling anything. So that has happened. But the collectors are still buying. The long-term collectors like me, I have not stopped buying. I dropped over $200 this past week buying Tezos NFTs. Okay. And that's a lot of money in the Tezos world because some of these Indonesian artists who don't really value their art or understand about the price and the value of art, they price themselves at like $2. And I'd be like, oh my God, I totally pay 50 bucks for that. But okay, it's $2, you know, so I'm not going to, you know, and so I try to um, make people understand there's a lot of great value on the Tezos blockchain. The people coming over from Ethereum, they get this. And so that's what's going on, Rachel. That's what's going on. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, eliminating gas fees, that's music to my ears, especially as somebody who's on foundation. That is no joke. I mean, it cost me, I think, $70 the other day to put a piece on foundation. I mean, that's it's it's ridiculously expensive. So So here's what's going to happen, though. It isn't going to be your stuff that you're going to be able to go to known origins. What's going to happen is all that stuff that you've done over there is going to show up into the Cosmos blockchain. And then you can do your stuff there. They're the ones that are figuring it out. That's what you need to take away from this talk. So what is it that led you to, well, first of all, why don't you give us a little bit about your backstory and tell us how you, you came into Web3? Like, what is your story? 
My story is survival, Rachel. Okay. It is a story of survival that every other woman understands. I'm Iranian. I was born in Iran. My family left and came to the United States. I'm the first woman in my family to be formally educated and to graduate from college. My grandmother was illiterate. My mother didn't even finish four grades. But yet she came to the United States and she ran a gas station and taught me accounting. And I went on to run the second biggest grant at UC Irvine, which was from DARPA and information technology system. It was back then it was department. Now it's school of computer science. And back then in 1991, when I was there and I was a little secretary doing, and I realized, oh my gosh, I need to be literate. So while the other ladies were drinking coffee and gossiping at the, you know, at the water bottle thing there, I was taking every single class that I could get my hands on and hanging out with the PhD students and learning to code. So that was 1991. And in 1995, I told my brother, I need to update your business. You need, you need a thing called a website and you need to have email. He's like, what? I'm doing fine. I got sticky notes here. What are you talking about? I had to spend my own money and set everything up for our automotive business in Laguna Beach and automate everything. So I was, we had websites before even dealerships even had websites. And now there's another next level thing happening. It is a story of survival and literacy. Web three is about being literate. So I've been in this game, not just yesterday or today. So I don't know how you want to measure it since I learned English. I've been in this game since my mother at age 14 said, you need to sit down and learn how to do the books because you got to learn how to do the business and you got to understand this. And that's a woman who didn't even finish grammar school. So I had high expectations. I graduated from UC Berkeley. I went on to work in science and do molecular biology at UC Irvine. I left that and I went into other things. And so now I'm in Web3. We have, you know, my family business is set. I know how to pay my rent. I understand that community is important. And we are the only AAA approved repair shop in the city of Laguna Beach, California. The only one. And we've had that standing for a long time. And people who know about cars, they know that it's hard to take care of people and not have them complain. But my family's been that. And now we're giving this to the next generation. But Web3 is important to me. I want to bring my family. I want to leave generational wealth for my son. And I want to bring the community. And that's why I translate. That's why you see me translate from Farsi into English. Because these people over there, it's four in the morning for them. Where it's, you know... Uh, 4.30 in the afternoon for us. But they're here shilling and trying to speak their broken English as best they can because, you know what, they got sketchy Wi-Fi. They get rugged six times. But, you know, it's a story of survival. That's why I'm in Web3. And I recognize the people from Venezuela, from Cuba, from everywhere. And another thing that's happening is indigenous women are under attack around the world. Now, it's kind of sexy and good if you're the right kind of indigenous woman Okay, but OpenSea has banned a lot of artists, so a lot of people can't feed themselves. And these indigenous women are not recognized as indigenous women because they fall under the umbrella of Iraq or Syria or Iran. But they're really indigenous women. The Kurdish people, the Armenian people, you know, these, these tribes have their own language, just like the Aborigines and just like those tribes. But we are not recognized as such. And I spend my time. Catch my breath. Telling them that it's okay. We're going to get through it. I speak English and I will share their stories with you.
because their stories are important. It's not about money, but then it is about money. You see, it's about resources. Web3 is a story of resources. It's another, not land grab, but huge grab of resources and our culture and our art. That is our resource. And OpenSea has confiscated millions of dollars of resources that belongs to other people. It's very heavy and we have to fix the things we don't like from web two and in web three, make it different. And I am hopeful. I am hopeful. I see the change. I'm part of that change. I'm not burning flags and cursing anybody. I believe literacy is the way to make change in the world. And that's for everybody, whether you're from Cuba or Iceland or Nigeria. I got friends everywhere. It's heavy, Rachel. It's heavy. But you know what? I laugh and I joke and I love my music spaces. And I like it when people come and they play a song. Tomorrow I'm going to buy a guitar. I play the drums, but I've been hearing guitar tunes in my head. So I went on Craigslist and I'm meeting somebody in public to go buy my first guitar. That's what I'm doing tomorrow. Now I want to hear from other people and what's going on with these ladies in Web3. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Sandy, so much. And and I know it's you know not easy to come and be that vulnerable in these spaces. And I, I'm really grateful that you felt comfortable to, to share with us. I have to say, being in the space with you today, with Marianne, and hearing you and Ali both translating felt like such a poignant moment. It felt like this is what it's about. This is it. We have people in Iran. We have people on the other side of the world, like you said, with a sketchy Wi-Fi, coming in, not speaking English. And here are you and Ali translating for them so that they can support, they can share and advocate for themselves. That to me felt like magic today. And I I, I just commend you for, for being such a, a fierce advocate and uh, and supporter of the, of the community. It really was a magical moment. So, Web3, here we are. Let's see what we are going to bring up tonight. Uh, some of the topics I would love to, to kind of throw out into the mix tonight are really building, uh, you know, community, uh, some ways that perhaps you are finding to engage your community, attract community. Uh, also, finding your co-founders, finding your people, finding your, your tribe, finding like-minded individuals that you want to build with. That can be a challenge. I have my own uh, personal stories of uh, some challenges with partners in Web2. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a serious thing. And, and yes, we're, we're all moving very quickly in this space, but... You know, a lot of these relationships as we, you know, forge businesses together are, are for the long haul. So I think we need to be very thoughtful about who we decide to work with. So I'd love to throw that into the mix tonight. Uh, also, equity, investing. You know, what is what are people thinking about in terms of investing in businesses that are already here and, you know, starting to make waves in this community? That can be anything from investing in NFTs to getting equity in DAOs or getting equity in startup companies in Web3. So I would love to hear from folks. Um, and obviously the stage is open for any kind of questions or anything that you want to discuss. Uh, so let's go to uh, Lafina. You've been up here for a while, Lafina. Welcome. How are you doing this evening? Hi, Rachel. Thanks for the invite as always. Always nice to be in spaces with you. My evening is going good. How about yours? 
very nice and relaxed. I, I love this session. It's just a nice kind of easy laid back with, with our ladies. So I, I'm just really happy and it's it's great to see you here. Likewise, thank you again. Well, to continue on with the conversation in the space that you always bring, um, I myself brought myself to Web3 on my own. I am first-generation American. My mom is Mexican. My dad's Honduran. So I have always had that if I don't know it, they're not going to know it. And even vice versa, they've always... I mean, it's kind of like an expectation, right? I'm the first one to know English. I'm the first one to go to high school, the first one to go to college. I actually graduated. I'm, matter of fact, I'm the first one to even leave the nest in a sense without being married or anything. I moved to Miami when I turned 21. And I, you know, me and my dog, Cheeto right here next to me, but me and my dog and my truck, and I moved down here and I'm still here in Miami. And now, um, you know, fast forward, I got into crypto on my own. Just, you know, I need to go into investments and stocks to me were just a little too sketchy. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to even go there. But Bitcoin and Ethereum and things like that, they it, it made sense. So I first started in Bitcoin, you know, going through just Coinbase and then little by little I then joined and I'm still part of that academy. It's called I Am Academy of which is high level profiles, you know, um, people who have been doing this for years, teachers who teach you, things like that. So after that, you just get into a wormhole in a way, a good wormhole, because it then you go into NFTs, which is how I got here now where I'm with you guys. I haven't used my Twitter since like a long time ago. But now that I'm a part of, you know, Web3, I'm now in Twitter. And, and now my entire goal, now that I have like, you know, gone through those steps by steps, I now want to be in Web3 full time. I sell jet skis and boats. You know, I'm in Miami. That's cool and dandy. But I'm looking at my future and me working six days a week at a dealership for men is not it for me anymore. Um, it's a men environment, you know how that goes sometimes. And I do have to, you know, have like a big wall and all of this. I'm tired of that. I don't want to have a wall anymore. I want to be vulnerable with other girls and, hey, let's work on this together. Hey, let's meet up together. Hey, let's, you know, together. That's what I want. And I want, obviously, at the same moment, um, I want to be with other strong Women, in which, you know, I, when I'm in the room with you guys, when I'm in the room with Rachel, I feel like, oh, my God, OK, well, Rachel's te teaching me something. And then I could turn around and, you know, do the same with others. That's my goal. You're already doing it, my love. <laughs> you are absolutely already doing it. You know, that's what I love so much about about women in this space. And I'm not there are some amazing men in this space. This is not an attack on men. Um, but I think as women, we are so much more willing to learn out loud. We're so much more willing to share and pass on what we learn with others. And I think that's what we're doing in these spaces. You know, I come to these spaces as a host, but I'm learning every single time. Like these are, you know, just packed full of wisdom because of the people that come up here and, and contribute to the conversation. So uh, I hear you, Lafina, you know, coming from a, a Web2 environment that was very much male-dominated in the art world. Uh, I, yeah, I'm over it too. So <laughs> I'm ready to see some change. And, you know, 
just just to you know for for context here we 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 only started this this uh these spaces two weeks ago it was actually in fact thursday will be two weeks we in that time have got a, a telegram chat of over 150 women i know now of at least three hires that have happened including someone who's in the audience shout out to shifra um when we get together, we can do some pretty awesome things for each other. Um, ships do rise together. I think as women, we are much more uh, motivated to see our, you know, our sisters thrive. And so I just, I encourage everybody, you know, who's here, don't, don't just think that these spaces are, uh, you know, people talking and, uh, well, some of them are, there's a lot of, not all spaces are created equal. Let's be real. Um, there's a lot of nonsense, um, a lot of noise, shall we say, but know that there are people here that are actually doing the work, uh, behind the scenes to try and create more equity for women in this community. Uh, so great to hear you, Lafina. Do stick around. Uh, Romy, what do you have going on? It's good to see you. Hi, Rachel. It's good to see you too. How's everything? Good. How How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. My voice is coming back. Oh, that's good. Uh, it wasn't uh, working so well. <laughs> um, it's um, It's funny because you need your voice to do Twitter spaces, and obviously, if um, if the voice goes, this goes down. So I must really take care of it. <laughs> I hope everyone is also taking care of of your voice, of your uh, chords. Um, what's it called? Cuerdas uh, vocales. Vocal cords. Yeah, exactly. I need to say it sometimes in Spanish. It sounds so much better in Spanish. Yeah. Cuerdas vocales. Yeah, it's nicer. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. no. Hi, everyone. I don't know uh, many of you here. So I'm just uh, going to say I'm, I'm Romy from Venezuela, currently in Argentina, but I've been living in New York for the past 12 years. Uh, I'm just taking a little break here, but I'll be back in a month. And uh, Sandy, I just want to say I, I entered the room and, and you were speaking and I think your story is really powerful. So, wow, uh, I was speechless listening to it and you sound with such an amount of energy that it's just unbelievable. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to start following you. And also, I love the idea of block li blockchain literacy. I mean, there's so much we need to learn. And yeah, we just need to continue to figure this out. Right. What are our best paths for everyone? And Lafina, so nice to to hear from you as well. And it's uh, amazing that you're taking all those steps to be an independent woman. Because sometimes it's hard to be independent from the family and the culture. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm up for the... I love certain kind of tradition. I come from a Jewish family. So there's a lot of tradition there. But also it's good to, you know, take up your own take on life and, and, and build from there. Um, and in terms of the, the topics of today, uh, I actually haven't started minting yet my, my collection that I want to put up in, in one of the blockchains. I'm not really sure where yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm really getting to it. And um, I'm a photographer, a documentary photographer. And I feel that this is a good time to really push towards hiring women. Like I, I have told this to Rachel in other spaces that I want to hire a developer, a woman developer, because I feel like there's like a hundred men before a woman 
And every time I ask about this, everyone knows a guy that can be my developer. And I love men. I'm married to one. I love my dad. I don't have any problem with men unless they become, you know, how they can become. <laughs> but uh, uh, in this case, I just want to, you know, try to hire, yeah, a women developer. I am working with men on my project because undoubtedly, I guess, uh, most of my friends have not entered the web through space and I'm like telling them, but it's it's hard. I don't know why, I don't know if this happens to you, but they're like a uh, resistance, you know, my photographer friends or they haven't heard about it. And I'm like, why, why all my male photographer friends know about this and not the women? And I don't know what's the reason for that. But, yeah, I just think uh, it's important to push to that, right? To, like, uh, have more women in the space. Um, and, yeah, Rachel, you were you were talking about growing community. And, you know, I realized that um, I had an idea of when I was going to launch. And I'm, I'm now thinking that I'm changing my strategy a little bit. And... I'm not going to start the whole uh, collection coming out uh, when I thought, which was going to be in about 20 days. I'm actually going to build community uh, in 20 days, not in 20 days, but like I want to launch something that can actually start the process of building community that is more uh, connected to my mission, to my vision, and to, you know, what, what I'm producing because I feel like we have so many different kinds of art here that are spectacular but if, you know I'm not gonna buy all kinds of art because I'm not interested in all kinds of art just as people are not gonna be necessarily interested in my beach render series which thank you Rachel for pinning it here um, and I encourage you to read it it's in Spanish and English and if you have a chance check it out let me know what you think if you have a few minutes but um but yeah um it's it's interesting that every time I come to these spaces, I learn a little bit more. And, and one of the learnings is that, that I'm not going to uh, just launch a, without having grown a community of like-minded uh, people. Uh, so, yeah, that's my a little bit of my uh, take on this. I don't know. I, I talk about many things, so sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. You know, it's just it's so great because I feel like when we come in these rooms, we we learn so much. We're, we're like little sponges absorbing from each other. And I feel like just hearing you over the last couple of spaces, I feel like each time your idea is getting even more honed. Right. It's like it's like shining the diamonds, like you're getting closer and closer to like perfecting what your message is, who your audience is and how you're going to reach them. And that's that's a beautiful thing about this this environment. Like we get to like almost workshop our ideas with people all over the world. Like it's such a such a cool concept. So amazing. So glad you're here. If you haven't checked out Romy's project, do go check it out. It is up uh, up top on the Jumbotron or the Nest or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> the Twitter space banner. Uh, let's hear from Noosh. How are you, Noosh? Hi. <clears throat> Good morning from Hong Kong. I'm good. I'm GN? Good. Yeah. And G, uh, GN, it's it's night there, yeah? Am I right? Yeah, yeah in it's UK, 7.40 p.m. Oh. Eastern Standard Time. Excuse me. 
What does yeah. the future look like, Noosh? <laughs> what does tomorrow look like? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I have to charge you first. Um, it is it is a very beautiful day in Hong Kong, actually, and um, surprisingly, it was summer. But last couple of days, it gets a lot cooler, and like uh, Hong Kong winter in Hong Kong, so. Um, yeah, it's a nice weather, and um, they're going to open the pools, the gyms are open. I mean, Hong Kong government, they are a little bit crazy um, regarding the uh, COVID situation. So now they're loosening up the restrictions, and new head is going to ch- come in, in the office, uh, so it's going to be... They want him to sound nicer and cooler than the um, last one, the current one. So they're going to lift some of the restrictions. Yeah, I am uh, Noosh, or um, my name is Nushin actually. But um, since I left Iran 2009, I, everybody, I mean, all the expat friends, I, made during uh, this time they called me Noosh because it was easier for them to pronounce. And um, I grew up in Iran after revolution and then uh, I lived through Iran and Iraq war and um, left Iran 2009 after getting my master's degree in art. And I was a black sheep in my family because, um, I mean, I think all the artists, they are somehow, unless your parents, they are artists as well. <laughs> uh, but in Iran, I mean, people, they care about education a lot. And the education they care about is um, you have to be a doctor or maybe engineer, not artist. <laughs> so... Uh, my family, I don't know. Can you hear me? Yes. Holy, yeah. thank you, Noosh. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So my family, they they are um, most of them. They are doctors, and I mean, they they study hard, and they are different side of um, my my path. And so I I actually I wanted to be a pharmacist because I like. Uh, <laughs> working uh, with I, I like chemistry and and then uh, but I couldn't get uh, because we have some like overall entrance exam I couldn't pass in highest grade so I, I went to nursing school and actually that uh, um, affected my work my artwork as well because I I was fascinated with with uh, microscopic uh, image of cells or uh, different part of bodies and anatomy and everything. So um, I started drawing when I was 16, uh, like professionally, I went to, I was lucky to, to have, a, uh, to find a very good professor from university. And then, then um, I, I got a, uh, very good education in terms of drawing in that in that age, and then that was the um, the main reason I wanted to be an artist as well. And then 
uh, I mean, meeting that uh, strong woman, <laughs> the professor. And then, uh, anyway, I after I finished my um, master's degree, I moved to Malaysia, and then I married in Thailand, and then I moved to Hong Kong in 2013. And uh, this journey, I mean, living in these countries, and before also I was in Dubai, I li- lived there for, uh, for a short time, a couple of years, uh, made, um, I mean, I got inspired by, by the rich culture of the countries I lived. And then um, I, I used some of the elements and patterns and motifs from the, those cultures as well, as, uh, alongside my, my own culture. And, um, and then um, when, um, how I enter NFT, um, it was a little bit, I mean, different story because near the end of 2020, um, I began my journey into making NFTs. Uh, it was consequence of being diagnosed with breast cancer. So I, uh, I was in sick leave and, and while I was in sick leave, I, um, I was made aware of Clubhouse app and, uh, in that, uh, Clubhouse, uh, I was introduced to NFT community and, um, it was a whole new world for me and uh, it was what exactly I needed that time at the time and uh, um, and it was how I entered NFT <laughs> and um, I started making art first first I was making I'm, I was taking photo of my physical artworks and my physical artworks are, are related to human rights especially in Iran um, and uh, because I came also from a very political family and uh, my most of my childhood, <laughs> uh, I used to go to prison to visit my aunts and uncles. They, they were so, they were intellectual people, but in uh, opposition of their regime and they were in prison. So I went to visit them. So that effect... Um, my artwork, I mean, it was, it was, and also I am uh, very like active in following up new news. When I was in this, uh, in Iran, I was a um, member of a, um, like a student group, like uh, we had some kind of community, uh, like free student group and also um, active for women, w- w- women's rights in university. And then, um, then uh, uh, f- so I first, when I uh, entered NFT, I started putting my, my physical artwork in, in NFT space. And then I realized that it is a little bit different to what people expect me to put there. And uh, so I uh, also I had a background in graphic designer and illustrator. If I'm talking too much, uh, I can um, stop here. No, Noosh, please do go on. And I I want to um, 
just just recommend to the panelists if anybody wants to to ask Nusha any questions after she's done talking, please please feel free. This is such a rich story, Nush. Thank you. Please keep going. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And um, so uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. And then I started, I, first it was my physical artwork. And then, then I, uh, from coming from uh, the background, because uh, as you, as all of you, no, art doesn't pay that much in real world. Um, I think just one percent of population of artists they're living under art, and um, so I I was working as a graphic designer, I illustrator when I was in Iran, and uh, so I had some knowledge about that. And then I I um, I gradually uh, started finding uh, my my style and way it is still similar to what i i mean the the topic is not that obvious about the human rights or <laughs> women's rights but it is uh, i always hid some messages under my art under the layers of my art and and i i uh, try to think about each element i put there and sometimes um uh, and also one of the things I, I like to do in my art is, is uh, um, I mean, I use it a lot and I use it, I'm, I mean, I am not shy to use color in my physical artwork and they are very colorful. Actually, in, I, one of the things about my work is I, I put the darkest message in my art, but I customize it and um and uh make it with different colors and bright colors and uh give it to my audiences and they don't realize how dark is the message behind it because it is it is a beautiful picture um uh and then usually <laughs> in my physical art exhibitions i usually don't talk that much about my art because and people start going and moving away from my art. And they say, oh, it's nice. But then I say, oh, it's dark. And then they, they disappear. And uh, but about my digital art, I, I think I'm, I am getting to the point, I mean, I, to, to the uh, international language, I mean, conversation, I mean, and then make the make better impact on my audience and uh, still women women's are in the i mean major of my main topic and uh, one of the thing about uh, breast cancer and the medication i i am totally recovered and i am cancer free it, it's it, it is uh, one year now uh, and um, one of the side effects of the medication I'm taking, I, because I have to take some medicine to put my body in menopause, and um, uh, I get, receive some shots and some some pills every day, shots every three months, and then uh, the side effect is the, the side effect of that is the depression, 
And unfortunately, like many women in similar uh, circumstances, I have to deal with this too. And um, um, so NFT uh, also was one of the way for me to to overcome this depression too. I mean, I get depression different way, but not selling my art and, <laughs> and not being a, and, uh, a successful NFT artist. But the work I make uh, um, actually was generated after I I I had con- uh, a consultant sections with uh, with uh, someone here due to my depression, and then. She's, she suggested, uh, since I'm making art every day, um, why I'm not uh, making art to focus on positive things in my life and and um, to, to find what it, what is delightful and to remember to love myself and others. And it was how I made these NFTs. And uh, I have uh, three three different uh, style. They are all yet similar, but one is very abstract looking, and I call it in um, uh, architectural ma- mind. And it is like a um, like a um, what urban plan. And one is um, figurative, and usually they are like a female figure. In the major figure is a female figure, and um, and the other one I started recently is a like a very symmetrical, figurative, uh, like a, um, kind of like Asian looking, and. Uh, um which is combination of the last two so yeah that was my my story and what a story it is Manoush my goodness you have been through it it just you know there's so many just incredible stories of resilience like the, the fact that you've you know lived through wars cancer and now you're here so eloquently sharing your story with women all over the world is just a testament for for how strong your spirit clearly is noosh so i just i commend you for for coming up here and continuing to share your beautiful art and you know just going back to like the real beginning of your story where you talked about the the pressure to be something other than what your soul wanted you to be you know you wanted to be an artist um, I think so many creatives go through that and it's it's stifling, right? It's stifling to be led in, in down a career path that isn't your dream, it's somebody else's. Uh, I, I'm, it's my hope that with Web3 that we can facilitate and build positions that allow artists to actually build wealth because there's such a small percentage of artists that are actually compensated appropriately for the type of work that they that they're putting out into the world. So I, I'm very excited about it. The work is beautiful, first of all, let's just say that. Um, 
any of the lovely panelists or anybody who's up here on the stage, would, would you like to, to speak with Noosh? Thank Noosh, you. John. I love you. I get you. I understand your story, honey. I 100% get you. That's why when I started in this space, I called it the art of suffering. Because it's really an art form. You're talking about, you know, I've survived gun violence, rape, uh, all kinds of, you know, forced things that were forced upon me. And things that I knew were wrong, but they told me it was all right. So, yeah, I get you, Noosh, and you're very strong. So keep going. And I love your art, too. I think it's just beautiful. And, and you bring a lot to the community. So uh, be strong. You know, I, I write poetry. I don't sleep during full moon. I get agitated, you know, with I hear bad news from my family around the world and for everyone. You know, the founder of Womanverse is in Venezuela and she tells me stories of what's going on over there. It's, it's like the same story, different language. So thank you, Noosh, for coming and having the courage to share with us. And I'm glad the NFT space has been good for you. I'm glad that it's a provided a positive roadway to healing and participation and community and prosperity too, I hope for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Sandy. I appreciate it. And thank you, Rachel, for your nice words. Always, Noosh. It's always good to hear your voice. Uh, I think you, the women in, in Iran are particularly strong. I've met a lot of strong Iranian women, so you're a special breed. Uh, let's go to uh, our friends from Women X Matter. I think it may be Krishana. By the way, Vietnamese women are stronger. I just want to say I've lived in America. <laughs> Hands down, it's Vietnamese women, Rachel. I will just okay. say that right now. Right. We'll make, we'll make a list. <laughs> Who's Hello. With us? Is Krishana? Yes, this is Hello. Krishana. Hello, everyone. I'm like, oh, no, don't put me after noosh. I'm like, I need a better story. I need more. <laughs> no, you do not. <laughs> Noosh, you are incredible. I just, there are so many things that I want to say and ask you and just so much that I want to unpack with you. But thank you for sharing your story. I feel like we've been connected in this space for a little bit. And now I just feel so much more connected to you knowing your journey into the space. So thank you for that. So. um in terms of my journey into the space, um, I think that mine happened very kind of differently and organically. So I am not an artist, um, but I have always kind of seen myself as a builder or a creator of kind of communities and of people and of connections and things of that nature. So I think my artistry comes in the form of, you know, connecting people to their most like fierce and innermost like true version of themselves. Um, so for us as women X Meta, I think that it's always funny to me when I think about finding my business partner um, because my business partner actually found me 25 years ago as her child. Um, so I am in business with my mom and my younger sister and it has just been the most joyful 
journey for us because it has just been this really wonderful rediscovery of all the things that we can be as women. Um, so just for context, my mom is in her late 50s and was getting to a point in her career. She worked on Wall Street um, for almost 30 years and had really spent her career like pounding the pavement and really, and she will never say this, so I'm sure she'll get mad at me for saying it, um, but really creating new pathways for women, specifically for women of color to enter the field of finance and things of that nature. And she found that she had derived so much fulfillment in her career related to creating pathways for women and minoritized people to be successful. And she was like, how do I do this? How, how do I take this and bring it to somewhere where people can really benefit from it? Not just big business, but actual people benefit um, from my story, from the things that we know, from the things that we've done. And um, I am a teacher by trade. Um, and I had gone to a tech conference where they were talking all about Web3 and kind of the metaverse and how, what are the intentions of using it with children and in classrooms and as an educational tool. And I just remember that in that moment, I just saw it so clearly. Like I saw why women needed to be in this space. I saw why young people needed to be a part of this build. I saw why it needed to be kind of an intergenerational build so that no one was left behind in the next generation of innovation. And I remember calling my mom and just saying like, what do you know about Web3 and the metaverse? And she's like, I don't understand either of the things that you just said to me, but I'm going to go find out. Um, and I think that that's been the most wonderful thing for us about Web3 is like, it's okay to not know. And there's always someone who's going to help you find out. Um, so that's really been our journey is working together alongside other wonderful people like all of you to find out as much as we can and figure out how do we use this as like a vehicle for really building something revolutionary for women to really build something that becomes kind of a vehicle for change making in the next generation of the internet, but also like in the real world, like how do we converge these two spaces um, to create something that's deeply impactful for women? Um, so it has been a blast for us. This has been the most wonderful thing to see, you know, my mom have her encore career and be able to connect with so many awesome people like so many of the familiar faces in the space that have made um, us just feel so empowered about what we can do, but it's been really awesome to work on this with my 19-year-old sister um, because even there's only a little bit of a gap between the two of us, and even the way that she sees the world is so different, and the possibilities that she believes for women and for young people um, and for technology are just so far beyond, I think, what I've ever imagined. So I think that this has been the most wonderful breath of fresh air. And I think when it comes to building, selling and growing our community, I think that what has really worked for us is just being us. I think that, you know, when when we have seen the most growth in our community is when we are most authentically ourselves and that we can come on this space as just our family. Like, I feel like Twitter spaces are now becoming like our family living room. Um, and I live in Washington, D.C. They're up in New Jersey. So it's become a space where we can kind of convene as a family alongside all of you. So all of you are kind of becoming a part of our family and our dinner table conversation. So it's really cool to see kind of this organic build of a new family in Web3. I have had the pleasure of getting to know Krishana and Kayla and Savannah, the Goins ladies, and they are just the real deal. Just 
brilliant, brilliant women really just doing something incredible in this space that I'm not seeing anybody else doing. And that is not just trying to onboard the millennials, millennial, you know, demographic, but actually meeting women where they are and, you know, going out and like, you know, bringing an onboarding multi-generational women. Uh, there's a, a few things that are happening next week that I'm, I'm really excited about on Monday. Well, actually Sunday, I think there's an event uh, called Wine and Wallets. Uh, maybe Krishana, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? That's more for folks that, yes. that are brand new, right? Yes, on Sunday, well, it's for those of you who are brand new, but it's also for your moms. Um, so we always say we're bringing our moms to the metaverse, right? We don't want to be in here alone. We want to make sure that we can convene with our families um, and that they're a part of this build as well. So um, we're doing an event on Sunday evening in celebration of Mother's Day where we're really going to kind of sit down with people via Zoom and really help them set up their wallets and kind of take their first baby step into Web3. Um, and we really want to make sure um, that we're doing things like Rachel said, that we're meeting women where they are um, and we're doing kind of these low risk things together um, so that we have that shared success in something that might be new, something that might be scary, something that might be different so that women kind of move from being, you know, crypto curious to crypto competent to crypto competent in what they can do in the Web3 space. So at, on 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday in celebration of Mother's Day, um, come join us. Um, come set up your wallet if you need to. But honestly, you can also come join us and just share about what Web3 has meant to you. I think that one of the best things that we can do for women who are new in the space is get them really excited about all of the possibilities. And I think that it always sounds great, you know, coming from us, because I think that we're three really excited people about what's happening here. Um, but it's always great to hear from more people who are not us about, you know, what has this space meant to you and how has it offered you new empowerment and liberation and opportunities? I love that. And also, um, you're hearing it here first, folks, but next Monday, I'm actually going to be hosting a space at 10 a.m. Uh, it is uh, obviously the day after Mother's Day, but we figured everybody will be very busy on Mother's Day during the day, visiting their moms, hugging their moms uh, if they're able to. So Monday at 10 a.m., we're going to do a uh, we usually do a networking breakfast. Uh, instead, we're going to do a uh, bring your mom and hang out with us in Web3. So if you uh, have the fortune of having your mom with you uh, or, or, you know, have a mom who's perhaps a little bit crypto curious uh, or you have a daughter that you want to bring uh, or, you know, anybody, anybody who would benefit from the conversation. Uh, look out for that link. It will be out uh, probably on Friday. We're going to put a few flyers out tomorrow about that event as well. And the folk, the wonderful three women from Women X Meta will be joining us as well. And hopefully a couple of other awesome mother-daughter mother -daughter duos from the Metaverse. So it should be a lot of fun. All right. Yes, we're so excited. Please bring, you know, your actual moms, bring your favorite mamas, your friends um, through so that they can get involved. And exactly like Rachel said, bring your kiddos, right? This is a conversation for them too about how do they get involved in Web3 early. I always say that my kids are very Web3 literate. Uh, my students are very Web3 literate. 
um, and know a lot about this. So there's a lot that they can contribute to the space as well. So I hope to see a lot of you there. So thank you so much for letting me share a little bit about our journey and who we are. Of course. Always love to hear you. All right. So I think we've got, uh, I think Evermint was up here first, and then we'll go to Solid Women. Hi, I'm Lisa. Um, hey, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so I've worked in, with independent artists in my community for almost 30 years, mostly on the music side. So Sandy, I'm going to be watching your music career really closely. And the, my Evermint Gallery um, focuses on um, tr representing traditional artists that are new to NFTs. And I'm really excited about the potential for those artists and being able to support them in another way. These are all artists that are actually in my community, people that I know. And I primarily work with women and non-binary and BIPOC artists. So I was really pleasantly surprised to you know, find that same community here in this space. I wasn't expecting that. I thought I was like basically signing up for this you know, crypto bro hell. And I found so many incredible women to follow and learn from and listen from. And I've really spent the last month just, you know, being in spaces and listening and learning and making those connections. And like, I haven't even tweeted anything yet. And like, I've just been building up people that I believe, you know, have the same kind of goals and the same kind of vision that I do for this space in supporting traditional artists. Um, I talk a lot with the musicians that I work with about how important it is to have real growth, real organic growth. You don't want a lot of bots. You don't want a lot of you know, numbers that don't mean anything. You want a lot of real supporters that are passionate about what you're doing. So sometimes that takes time. So I've really been happy to find so many people that are supportive of that of traditional art here and really passionate about that. And Rachel, you've been awesome. I've, I've ended up in a few of your spaces and I really appreciate you being such a huge advocate for artists. And I believe that we're at a really great time uh, for traditional art and NFT space. I think some of the slowdown that we're seeing right now is a little bit of burnout on all of these really big generative projects that don't have a lot of heart, that don't have a lot of soul, and people don't know exactly what to buy. So I think we're looking at maybe an NFT art renaissance coming up for traditional artists because you know you're buying the art because you love the work and it moves you in some way and you're investing in the artist. So that's what I'm here for and that's the kind of community that I'm building and I'm so grateful to find people that have you know the same kind of mission and especially all of the women that are so supportive of each other. Like my mom is you know an investor in my company. My daughters are following along on what I'm doing. You know, the first artist that I'm representing is a, a woman um, in my community that I absolutely adore, that I'm an investor. I own one of her original pieces. So I'm so excited for how this can transform lives for traditional artists and especially, you know, overlooked artists, women and artists of color and non-binary artists. So I think we're at a really great time in the NFT space to really change some lives and add more art and make a really meaningful change in artists' lives. So. I just want to thank you all for what you're working on. And yeah, thank you for having me. That's great to hear you, Lisa. And you're speaking my language, more equity. That's what it's about, right? We can we can talk about all of the wonderful ways we're gonna make an impact, but you know, let's let's get let's get paid. I think we're so afraid to talk about like the money, right? Why absolutely why? Why? <laughs> What is, what, what is everybody's kind of uh, feeling as to why we've been so afraid to be vocal? I would love to hear input. I think something that comes to mind 
for me is that I think we've been socialized as a people. It's like, you don't talk about what you make, right? Don't tell anybody what you make. Don't talk about money, right? That That is just not classy to have that conversation. And I have found through uh, more transparency about like the fact that we need money to survive um, and the fact that, you know, most of us in whatever it is that we're doing are underpaid to do it um, is how we will grow is by just being honest about the fact that like, yeah, I love what I do, but I also need money in order to do it. Um, or just being open about the fact to say like, yes, absolutely love the mission of this project. But in order to fulfill that mission, money needs to also come with it. So I think that we have to get out of this mindset that like talking about money is um, like gauche or is like, um, what do you call it? Uh, I can't think of the word, but is rude to ask someone like, what, what do you need in that way? Because I just think that that's how we've been socialized is to like never, ever talk about money. It's like politics, religion, money, never talk about any of those things, right? Where, whereas they might be very important things that need to be discussed. Absolutely. I apologize for the noise in the background. My dog is now is chewing on his bully stick and it's the most disgusting background noise. So forgive me. Frank always likes to, uh, to make some choice sounds right when I'm live, but now, now, you know, um, yeah. One of the things for, for me, you know, I've been in and around the traditional art world for like 15 years. I, I built a business based on the fact that I hated how the, you know, the traditional art world functioned and how little democracy there was. And one of the things that always struck me was you could never, ever find the salaries for creative positions. There was never any pu public information. And I remember having conversations with fellow creators and we were all cagey about what we were being paid because of that fact, because the institutions had been so slick with what the, the kind of information that we, we would see. And it was so that we couldn't have conversations and band together and ask for more. So I think that just the transparency that Web3 brings alone is going to be a game changer. And I personally have no qualms coming into a room and talking about money. And, you know, even, even down to, you know, conversations that I'm having in the DMs, like, I think we just, in Web3, we, we just like, let's just cut to the chase, right? Let's just get to the details. Nobody has a whole lot of time. Let's just talk about the money right out the gate and let's move on. Because, you know, I, I recently just started this marketing agency and, you know, I'll be honest, like, you know, I, I, I've, I'm fielding like a lot of inquiries and, you know, it's a conversation. It's like, do you have a marketing budget? Yes. Okay, great. Let's have a conversation. Whereas in web two, you would have gone through the back and forth. You'd have had the conversation. You'd have met for the, for the meeting. Then you'd go away. You'd write a proposal. Nobody's got time for that, but we really do need to be talking about money more frequently, making it more, um, just easier for us to have these kind of conversations. I think it's super important. Romy, go ahead, please. Thank you, Rachel. I agree completely that it's important for us to continue talking about money because sometimes I don't think uh, we really know how to go about money. For example, a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago, um, I don't know, let's say 2013, 14, I was, you know, recently arriving to New York and I really didn't know how to price my photography. And I, ha I was teaching photography at the moment. And so that was like, you know, 
like the job told me what they were going to pay me, not me wondering how much to charge. And the owner of that photography school sat down with me one day and she said, okay, let's do something basic. How much you want to earn a month? And I'm like, really? You know, like, what do you mean? I mean, I can just say a big number. She's like, just tell me a number. And I'm like, okay, let's say 10,000. Okay, so now how many hours do you want to work? And, you know, this conversation went for like me to understand how I had to price the hour of my work in relation to how much I wanted to earn. But I hadn't had that conversation ever. You know, that's not taught in school or in the university or in photography school. And it's a bummer because, I mean, it should. Obviously, I this, this was more than now, what, uh, you know, like more than 10 years, let's say. But I don't know if this is taught these days. Uh, I don't think so, probably. But it's it's a matter of also not knowing even like how to price your work and not even talking about how much you think you're worth. I mean, I, I have, um, I think I have a good uh, confidence, like I have confidence in me. And there's this thing about, you know, there's, you know, you have a confidence, but then you have to like figure out what the market is at. And, you know, depends on how many years you'll be, you're doing what you're doing and who are the people you're selling, what you're selling. So, you know, it's such a big talk money, right? It's, I think it's important that we, that we actually, yeah, uh, talk more about this so that we can learn about these things that can be as um, specific as like, you know, how much do you aim to earn, you know, a month? And like, what would that entail for like what you do? Like, and who are the people that are going to pay that amount of money? Uh, and then, uh, then the, the hardest part, right? Marketing with Rachel and then going... <laughs> together right absolutely anybody else want to jump in on that all right let's go to solid women club welcome hi hello everyone hi rachel thank you so much for hosting this space um, my name is cherry I'm the artist and the founder of Solid Women Club. I'm half Thai, half Chinese, and I live in Macau. And yeah, so it's my first time in your space, Rachel. I'm just I'm really glad that I came in. I loved listening to all of you, and it's a pleasure to connect with you all through this space. It's, um, you know, otherwise we wouldn't have met in real life. So these spaces uh, mean a lot to me, you know, meeting like-minded individuals and women like yourselves um yes yeah, so i think <laughs> i drove off a little bit but i'll introduce um what i'm doing and the project with you all so um solid women club is um currently doing the public sale right now and i would like to pin up a post so that you can see a little bit about the art Okay, so we are building a brand that promotes diversity, inclusivity, and women's empowerment. And currently, we have our public sale of 100 solid women, um, and each one of them is one of one. I did them um, individually 
on my own and I chose this artistic style that leaves only the lips on the face. It's um, minimalistic and abstract kind of art that represents these women in their unique career. And I chose this because the lips for me conveys the message that solid women wants their voices to be heard and for their voices to create an impact. And just leaving the lips on the face is kind of conveying that message for me. Um, and I'm really happy about the work that came out because um as um sorry i didn't catch your name but evermint gallery has said that in this space there's a lot of um, generated and you know really burnt out people looking through generated art and i wanted mine to have a story behind each one of them um so i put my heart into it and i did them all individually um to convey that message so th this is something that i'm really proud of and i'm really glad that i came into the space to do this um so yeah um that's a little bit about the art and for the cause um while we're building our brand we want to also immediately give back to the community so we've we have allocated 20% to immediately go back to the community. 10% of that is going to go to two charities that are doing amazing, amazing things for women. Um, one of them is Malala Fund and the other one is Global Fund for Women. And the other 10% will be reinvested in um, the NFT industry and helping more women in NFTs and artists in this space. So um, that's something that I'm also really excited about. Um, so when we launch the brand, we're also going to have merch store um, and to celebrate the sales, we are also donating 500 pieces of our merch, our T-shirts to the Salvation Army. They are doing amazing stuff um, and they're going to help us distribute these T-shirts to disaster victims as well as um, victims of homelessness. So um, this is something that I'm feeling really passionate about and I'm really excited to get to that that once we have our solid women the 100 genesis collection um solid women minted out so um currently we have made some progress so um in the one month that we have been doing the sales we have already um sorry this one but um we sorry i'm just trying to pin up what we have sold so far and i'm really really grateful to all of my collectors um because they're all really passionate about the cause and that's why i did this without hyping up the project you know and minting out without them seeing the art because i put the art out there all 100 at once so that um like-minded people and women empowerment supporters can actually look through the art, feel connected to the art before actually investing in me and my art and the brand that we will be building together. So that's the mission. I want to build this brand with all of my collectors and together we're going to create a difference and, you know, make lives better for women through various ways. And so far we have already sold over 10% of the 100 solid women. 
And I'm really happy because a lot of these women resonated with the art in a very personal way. Um, for example, the um, F1 racer was sold to a woman who is in uh, motorsport herself. She's really passionate about F1 and she feels that um, it's a very male-dominated industry and she hasn't felt so empowered um, to be in that industry. So the fact that my art can reach out to her and make her feel you know, empowered by being in this Web3 space and feel represented, that just means the world to me. Um, so yeah, the the one-of-one um, -one art that has unique careers kind of, you know, that's the mission. That's bringing in women to feel represented, empowered. And at the same time, they're investing in this cause to empower more women, to empower and represent more women in the community and in the future. We're also going to create an, a bigger impact once the, the brand is launched. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry, I was speaking um, really fast as well because I'm feeling really passionate and connecting with you all like-minded individuals. It empowers me. It makes me feel really good to be able to use my voice to share my story and, you know, uh, my missions with you all. And this is one of the solid women that I really want to share um, that I pinned up. She is our firefighter. And, you know, firefighting is a very male-dominated industry. And as I said, I aim to represent women in male-dominated industries. And this is a piece that I'm really, really proud of because she looks fierce and she looks proud. And she looks like, you know, she knows that she's accomplished and has done her job well. And that is something that empowers me a lot. And all the women in our society working hard in male-dominated industries. And so... So yeah, that's a piece that I especially want to share with you all. And it's also International Firefighters Day. So <laughs> yeah, thank you for letting me speak and hearing about my story. I hope that the art makes you smile, that, you know, you can connect with me through my art and my missions and my visions. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. No, thank you for coming up and uh Please don't ever apologize for anything. You're here. Don't ever apologize for taking up any space. Uh, I think that's such a such a thing that we do as women, right? We apologize for, for even entering a room sometimes. So we are really glad that you're here. This work is beautiful. I love what you're doing. I love that you're you're um, you know, being very transparent about what is sold. Uh, you know, I love that you're the artist behind the work and the founder. I know that takes a lot of work. I know these projects take a lot of commitment. Uh, a lot of work goes into putting them together. Uh, so we see you and recognize that, you know, uh, you really are putting yourself out there. And whatever we can do to help elevate you, we are here to do that. So uh, I have pinned it up top. Uh, of course, anybody who wants to reshare anything that's been pinned uh, or shared in this group, uh, that is one of the most powerful ways that we can support each other. If you're not in a position to invest financially in any of these projects or one of one artists right now, uh, do something that takes you about 0 0.5 seconds, right? Go out, retweet, tag, uh, comment, give us some props for the, uh, the old Twitter algorithm, get some more eyeballs on the work. You could really change someone's trajectory with just a simple retweet. So I think it's something we can we can all do better, uh, and so I, I I encourage everybody to uh, to take a minute to do that for your fellow 
fellow women and non-binary folks in the room today. So a quick reset, folks. Uh, we are here. It is Women in Web3. For those who don't know, we do host spaces three times a week. Uh, Monday, we do a networking breakfast at 10 a.m. Uh, obviously, this space at 7 p.m., we are talking about getting down to business, uh, building, selling, growing community, uh, success stories, challenges, you name it. We're here to really just hash it out. And then Thursdays, we welcome uh, established founders who have uh, successful projects, who are building uh, exciting things in this space. Last week, we had just a powerhouse group of women come through. We had Shira Lazar. We had uh, Stacey Eigel. Uh, we had just back-to-back -back solid, amazing women <laughs> coming through and dropping wisdom. So that is a space that you don't want to miss. We have some awesome coming this thursday uh and yeah this is your space folks this is this i am merely the host i'm here to you know facilitate the conversation but this com this room is for you so please do come on up uh tell us what you have going on if you have any struggles or any challenges um you know certainly i can help with anything marketing related i i, I can help with anything uh you know loosely around nft art i have i do buy i do collect uh, i have sold nfts uh, so I do have some experience there, uh, but you've got some other amazing people up here on the, on the stage as well. So don't be afraid to, uh, to reach out and ask for help. This time last week, we actually had uh, all three women X meta folks uh, on the stage and we were talking about self-advocacy. And I just think as women, we really have to get comfortable advocating for ourselves. I think it takes us a lot to actually ask for what we need. So when you do come up here and you do share, ask for what you need. What do you need help with? Do you need a retweet? Do you need somebody to facilitate a connection for you in the DMs? Ask for it, right? And it's not going to happen if we don't ask. So I encourage every single woman on the stage right now, if you haven't asked, make it happen. And, uh, and let's see, let's see kind of what, what we can facilitate, what, what connections we can make. And uh, hopefully we can uh, just continue to build this thriving community. Uh, I want to welcome up Kristen. Uh, Kristen and I have been playing a little bit of, uh, I don't think you can call it phone tag, let's say DM tag uh, in the DMs. But uh, Kristen is the artist behind the famous fearless girl, that the statue that, or the sculpture, I should say, that sits uh uh, in the financial district of New York City. So, Kristen, welcome. I'm so glad you're here and we were able to actually make this happen. Just got to unmute your mic, Kristen. I'm going to say this might be one of your first uh, Twitter spaces. So if you need some guidance, let me know. This should be bottom left. Hello. Uh, Mike. There Hi, we go. Uh, no, it, you know, I missed everything you said. Hi, everybody. I'm Kristen. Uh, my friend Todd was trying to get through and I hung up on him, and then he called me again. <laughs> so I kind of missed it all. But I wanted to say, We've all been there. well, no, you said ask for what you need. And, you know, so many times I've, when I've gotten up to speak, I've reminded women that there's a huge body of research out there that says that women don't ask for what they need, they, that it begins with all of us that women need to go out and do the research. For instance, if they're in doing a job interview, they need to know what their skills actually should be commanding in the workplace market and ask for that. And there's this, all of this research that shows that we, I think women 
in so many ways have been socialized to be uh, diminished in some ways or meek or somehow that it, it's unattractive to be really aggressive in any way as a woman. And those are all things that have been socialized in each and every one of us over these many centuries. So uh, I want to also uh, say hats off to solid women. I love what you're doing with your drop. I love the heavy charitable aspect. Uh, I am also doing a drop. I wanted to uh, benefit um, Plan International, which is a children's advocacy group. And I haven't heard from them. I'm kind of juggling so many different things. Uh, you reminded me with your presentation that I need to give them a call early tomorrow morning. They're uh, located the global office in the UK. But they advocate for both boys and girls. Uh, but in the last six or seven years, more dearly, the young girl child and they go into cities and they vet safe spaces for young girls to walk. And they ensure that they advocate for the rights of young women. And I'm really, it's kind of near, near and dear to my heart, Rachel. Uh, in 2017, I attended in Paris the Day of the Girl Child event. And I was asked to mentor with 11 other women these ambassador girls that were voted in by different countries around the world to attend this conference. And 11 out of 12 of us came from families where the parents had told us that we could do and be anything that we wanted. They had not placed any barriers on their children. And I think that's so important. I hope one day to use Fearless Girl as a teaching tool uh, to empower these young women to take a stand, an equal place in society, because we both need to be there, both men and, both, and, and women, that we can't really achieve our full potential, the research says, unless we work with the opposite gender, because genders have different specialties. And I find that so interesting. It's a beautiful message that we can't really achieve our peak potential unless we work together as men and women. And then I just want to say I'm very new to this space. Um, it's very exciting. I think all of the Web3 uh, so different, so creative. Everybody in this space is concerned about society and the world at large and what is best for all of us. So I'm so happy to be here. We have the superstar drop next Tuesday. And I'm going to tell you very honestly, uh, and Rachel, please cut me off if I'm taking too much time. But let me end with this comment. Uh, you can go to fearlessgirl.us forward slash NFT forward slash. And I will call Plan International tomorrow morning and see if we can make a donation to them with our drop. But for the most part, this NFT drop is going to fund the legal defense of Fearless Girl. I created this work in 2017, and I did not create her for any company. I created her for my fellow women and for the people. And I believe it's a travesty that this work has not been used to specifically benefit you.
And that's what I'm fighting for. So I hope you'll support the drop. Please reach out to me. I'm at Kristen Bisbow on Twitter. Let me know how I can help you with your drop. Thanks. Kristen, I am so excited to finally hear your and voice. And finally to be um, here. Thank you so much for including yes, me. Um, oh my gosh, please. I I have so much so much to say. We might have to have a back channel. Um, but I I've been following your story for several years and I remember, you know, when this all came out about how I, uh, you know, the, the the company that had allegedly commissioned it was now claiming the rights to your intellectual property and I and I don't know all the nuances, but and just thinking how outrageous that was. Um you know, when this has just become so symbolic for yeah. for so many, right? I yes, mean, personally. We needed, we needed a symbol. We didn't have is, one. So let's, you know, we have to claim her. We have to claim this figure as our own. Yep. I mean, I created a piece, a six-foot piece, with based on a photograph I took of her that I'm going to send you. A, oh, yeah. Let's call it a... Let's call it an IRL derivative. <laughs> That's what you would call it in the NFT space. But yeah, I mean, she's just she's iconic, and and I, I I'm so excited to see to see what you know what happens with your drop. I love that your drop's happening on May 10th because that is my birthday. I'm very excited about oh, that. Oh, really? I will, I will be getting one. Uh, that that will be a birthday treat treat to myself. Um, but I do want to circle back on what you said about um allyship, or what you said about men and the importance that they yeah. play in this conversation because we need men we need men to step up we need men to be allies and allyship to is understand. an action word. they need to oh sorry i'm interrupting no no you. go ahead sorry. i know like, we well, both, they, we're all I mean, getting very excited on this topic well you know i was posting i had a i had a a, a go uh not it was a what do you call it when you uh, not a GoFundMe but a, a petition to sign up a change.org petition and I was posting about it on Facebook and some guy really took offense he said oh fearless girl needs to go and I said listen I'm so sorry you feel that way but honestly uh, we're really better working together and you should do a little research and one of my supporters kind of reamed this guy out on Facebook and said, you're the reason we need a fearless girl like this. And I think so many men are threatened uh, by the idea of women's rights or feminism that somehow has gotten a negative connotation with a lot of men. I mean, all it is is standing up for equal rights. Certainly, we all deserve equal rights to fully participate in life, to to enjoy equal promotion and equal pay and, and all of these things. And I think it's a matter of education, Rachel. You know, um, did I get your... I got your name right, didn't I, Rachel? Yeah. You sure, you sure um, did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. But yeah, no, I totally um, agree. And I think this is a, a very needed conversation today of all days after what we, what we saw happen at the Supreme Court today. Yes, yes. And I'm, I'm so sorry. I just asked you about your name. But so my friend uh, told me about your spaces and I was in the middle of writing a letter. So I kind of came on late, <laughs> you know, uh, but I know the request has been out there. So what I else think is going on? Who else has got something cool to talk about? 
Well, I first of all, I just pinned up your your drop, so it is up top. So for folks sure. who want to go support that, make sure you go ahead and click that link. Um, I think Krishana wants to to jump on in. Krishana, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, Kristen, I'm kind of fangirling right now for so many reasons um, because I love love Fearless Girl, and there's so much to say about it. Um, but yeah, I. I Really, I'm so grateful for your artistry, but I'm also so grateful for what you just shared about kind of young women um, and all of the challenges that young girls, you know, face related to feeling that they can be fearless girls. Um, so there's a lot of research around like young children that it's almost like with every grade that a young girl goes through, they you can almost see them physically diminishing themselves. I agree. Um, yeah. And like learning these socialized behaviors to like not speak up, not be loud, be docile, all of these things that are like behaviors that are rewarded by the classroom and like behaviors that are like feminized um, so that they don't feel that they can speak out or be bold or um, be divergent in their thinking and all of these things. And I think that what you said about using Fearless Girls, a teaching tool really spoke to me um, because I'm a teacher and I've done that with my kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so crazy. I was like, yes. Um, so when I was teaching third grade a couple years back, I noticed that I was teaching in a classroom where I had 17 boys and eight girls. Um, and I was noticing that my girls were hardly ever speaking. And oh. every time that my girls spoke, they were either getting cut off by the boys in the classroom or they were deferring to them to almost like affirm whatever it was that they were saying or to like back up whatever it was that they were saying or almost doing kind of what Rachel was talking about in the space of like apologizing for taking up space. So I started doing this thing with my kids that I called girl group. And I just took my girls during lunch for a couple of days a week. And we had lunch together in the classroom and just talked about awesome women and stories of the oh, triumphs yes. of women and stories of pieces like fearless girl. And um, we went to an art gallery and looked at all of these amazing artworks done by women. We, I got women. I went to school at Penn state. I got women who were professors at Penn state to come talk to my kids. I bought in my mom, all of these people, I bought in their moms to talk to them. And it was amazing the impact that we had in such a short period of time. And like my girl's final project was they had to pick a, a woman who inspires them to highlight and learn everything about them. And then they had to give that presentation to our classroom of boys. And it really not only taught my girls how- But your um, boys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To be strong and stand tall in who they are. It taught my boys how to really be allies and accomplices and really like see the growth within the girls in their classroom and like learn how to almost like police themselves and say like, I'm taking up too much space, right? I need to allow space for the girls in here. I need to give them an opportunity to have a voice. And I think that what you said about working with the opposite gender is so true because oh, I, cool. I spent a year at um, an all girls school when I was young back in high school. And I remember telling my parents, they say, I need to go back to school with boys. And my parents said, why is that? I said, I miss the competitive nature of the classroom. I miss that ability to kind of see across differences and being able to say, you know what? I understand why you see that, but I need you to see it my way too. And I need that you to understand my experience too. And I miss that richness of conversation that could be happened. 
that could happen in a space with people um, across the gender line. So I think that, you know, every everything that you're doing is just so wonderful. But I, I thank you for bringing up the fact that, you know, our young girls need this so much and they need these figures that are, you know, solidified in like actual statues that they can see themselves and say, that's me. I am that fearless girl. Um, and if she can do it, I can too. I think that it's so powerful. So thank you for all that you do. Oh, you're welcome. But you know what? You, I'm certain, have done way more than I have. I just made an artwork, yes. I find myself becoming an activist for women's rights, for gender collaboration, really. That's the fundamental message there. It really is that we will benefit from. But what you're doing is amazing. And I have some people come speak on behalf of, uh, you know, the fact that we need to make Fearless Girl permanent in New York City on April 11th. And one of those people was a guy named Todd Brown. And I'm not going to get the statistic right, but what he talked about is how little that women know about other significant women in history. And it seemed like men, uh, boys and girls were about equal on their recognition of significant women. So what you're doing is amazing. You're building respect for women in your boys. You're building self-assurance in your young girls. That's exactly the kind of teacher that we need. It's great. Hats off, girl. Thank you for saying that. That affirmed me in more ways than you know. And what you just said about women being able to identify, you know, the contributions of significant women is so true. And from the work that I've done with my classroom, I'm now teaching first grade. So I'm with the little babies. Um, but being down with the littles, I'm doing the same work with them. And it's it was amazing. Um, a couple I think like a couple months ago, Disney released a new movie called Turning Red, and it was the first movie that had ever had like an all-female creative team. Um, and I didn't even know this. And one of my kids heard about it on a YouTube interview that she had watched about the animated video and came in and she said, Miss Goins, there's this team and here's what they're doing and told me the whole story of these wow. women and the contributions that they were creating. And she's like, we need to highlight this person for Women's History Month because what they're doing is incredible. And the child who said this to me is Asian American. The creative team for the movie was Asian American as well. So not only did she see a woman that she related to because she's a young girl, she saw a woman that she related to um, racially. And I think that it was so powerful for her to have that moment to teach about something that she had learned on her own and been empowered to find out from just having the opportunity within the classroom to talk about different kinds of people and the significant things that they do. So you're absolutely right. Oh, no, I love that. I, I don't know. Does anybody here know the statistic? Uh, you know, we know the, the difference in, in pay between men and women, but I wonder who's done the study on ethnic versus the Caucasian mainstream, which we're not even mainstream anymore, we're the minority. But uh, I wonder what the statistic is for ethnic prejudice. So, you know, part of what Fearless Girl stands for is education for the prevention of prejudice in any community, not just the workspace. Uh, but, you know, there's prejudice that goes on within our own neighborhood communities. Uh, 
So very important to support from the ground up our kids. And I think, you know, the, you're with the first, first graders. Isn't there statistics on, you know, kids are, are in, the impression is set by the time they're five? Yeah, babies actually have um, racial biases um, and things of that nature. So by the time my kids get to me, they already have some pretty kind of formed opinions about people and things and not always things that they can articulate. But the greatest thing about our children is that they're malleable. Um, and it's that idea of a lot of the times it comes from the lack of experiences that they've had with people. So I love um, the work that I do with my kids because I highlight artwork, I highlight movies, I highlight significant people in STEM across, um, I highlight ah, education all of they these steam. things. They yes. They steam for the arts. Yes, it's absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But just them seeing all of those different people is huge in that prejudice reduction. Um, because, you know, our, our kids are kind of socialized in the in these environments from the times that they are babies that come with racial biases and opinion as well as gender and ethnic biases. So I think that, you know, that prejudice reduction is huge. And it, it comes through a lot of the things that you're saying, like STEAM, where we expose students to things that are culturally relevant to them that help them make connections to other cultures and people. Exactly. Exactly. Can I just add something important about this uh, woman in history? I just want to say, no matter what's happening in the world, where in the world, women are there. But somehow in the history part of it, our name gets erased. Like, for example, the very first woman to become governor of the United States was Nellie Taylor Ross. And guess what else? She was also the first woman to mint a coin. She literally minted a coin. Now, back then was a time where the United States money was not strong around the world. So President Roosevelt appointed her. Her husband was governor. He died. She was so awesome. They're like, be governor. She didn't even want to be governor. She wanted huh. to just you know, chill and be a woman and hang out. They're like, no, we need you. And she unanimously won. And she went on to make the US dollar, the, the whole proof of coin people that we're talking about right now. Nellie did this for, for wow. crying out loud. I made an art piece to her. I made a tribute to her because you know what? That's not the only woman. And guess what else? I took a class at UC Berkeley in Department of Anthropology from uh, Ralph Nader's sister. Laura Nader taught anthropology. And she brought this to my attention, how women are systematically not recognized in history. And guess what else? Go look up Margaret Bell. You know who was Margaret Bell? Okay, back when they discovered oil and they drew up these lines of countries like Iran, Turkey, Iraq, that's pretty important, right? Guess what? These Arabs wouldn't even talk to the crown or Churchill unless she was present. Now, wow. who knows Margaret Bell here? No one, no one, no one. But you know what? You can go read her biography. And she was single. She went back to England. And guess what? It was stifling. It was during the Victoria era. She had no life there. She had no place in society. Guess what she did? She went back to the gardens of Persia and her rose water with the Arabs and did poetry. And she ruled. That woman ruled. She was so smart. And of course, her loyalty was with the crown, but she loved the people. And she was an important part of the history for crying out loud. Why are we ignored? 
Why are we ignored? And by the way, Kristen, I got a question for you. 700 pieces is your collection. Is that number well, significant or what's up with that? Yeah, you know, so next week we're going to drop 226 pieces. So NFTs. And really these NFTs are more like, it's not generative art. It's it's like a limited edition collectible, just like I do my bronzes. I guess that's the way that I was thinking. Uh, the second drop will be generative art and will include all the props that people place on Fearless Girl, like the, you know, the Wonder Woman tiara, the uh, Salvation Army apron, et cetera. All that's going to be a lot of fun. But for next week, we created a micro movie. So I don't have the digital technical skill, darn it. I really wish I did. I feel like at a big disadvantage and I'd, I'd really like to be able to do whatever I want to do. But I hooked up with this really cool guy, Michael, Michael Miller, who runs a company called 9IFX. And he designed the 69th Emmy Award promo. His skill with particles was really, really good. Most people, they're hard to control the particles. And I spent a lot of time developing storyboards for my NFTs and he brought them to light and then I edited and then he did some more edits. And that's how we created these. So next week we launch for auction the micro movie which is Fearless Girl Becomes from star, a star explosion. I don't know where I got that. I guess I thought, well, yeah, Fearless Girl is like a, a, a global figure. And then I thought, why not be a universal figure? And I saw the Hubble Spacecraft Nebula video. And I collected all these Nebula video, and we sort of went from there. Um, and so that will be uh, linked through fearlessgirl.us. It'll link you to OpenSea to, auction, uh, to bid on the auction. And then the second collection will be released next week, which is kind of exciting because we're marrying bronze sculpture, which is what I do for a living, um, with the digital artwork. And I love the second collection video which is, I think, 14 seconds. And it's kind of a Van Gogh sky. And then there's this comet that comes out of the sky and it lands on the cobblestone at Bowling Green Park on Wall Street in New York, a, you know, image of that. And then Fearless Girl appears. So it's kind of really cool because you get your own comet and you can purchase with or without a bronze sculpture. And this bronze sculpture is 22 inches high. And so that's all that gets released next week. Then maybe a week or two later, we'll release the uh, trading cards, which is what I think you're talking about, Rachel, because yes. those, yeah, yeah they're, they're limited edition of 750. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, when I first sat down to talk with people about my drop, they recommended we do a li limited edition of 1,000. And I knocked that down to 750. Um, I think I, for me, I see it as everybody who collects a trading card becomes part of this like enormous club of people who are like-minded in a quest for diversity and equality. And what benefits our fearless social club will encompass will be revealed at a later date. But I'll tell you this, I do tons of interviews for free and presentations for free and 
So I'm calling in favors <laughs> and asking people to come and speak for us down the road. And then, of course, there'll be discounts. But, you know, we'll just have to see what opportunities the future and the history of tomorrow bring for us to advocate. Kristen, I, I just, I am so excited to see you enter this space. And, you know, I have a ton of questions. I also have some some thoughts on the, you know, as a marketer uh, on how to how to best position this. So we can certainly back channel on that. Uh, I'd um, love to have a call. You can send me a private message. Send me all that art you've been making. That's I, I just sent you a, a screenshot. I don't want to I don't want to pin it up top because this is not about my work and I'm here to elevate, not put my own stuff out there. But I did back channel you and anyone who wants to see it, I will certainly DM you as well. Um, where, where are you located, can I ask? I'm in northern New Jersey, so I'm really close to the oh, city. Yeah. Are you in New York? I'm not in New York. I'm on the southern tip of Delaware at Rehoboth oh. Beach. So, I mean, I like walking on the beach. I like the Hamptons up there, but this is a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm about, you know, on a good day, three hours and 15 minutes south of the city. Oh, but more awesome. typically, it's going to take four or five hours with the traffic, you know. So, so my, I guess my question, as somebody who comes from this, like, traditional background in art, like, I know for me, like, being around artists that are, you know, have these kind of um, just really significant careers, they have been very hesitant to even consider stepping into Web3. Mm -hmm. Like, was there a point where you were like, okay, this is something that I'm interested in. This is something that I'm excited about as a creator. You know, there it was a family friend who came to me and said, oh, I think you should get into NFTs. And of course, you know, I hate to say this, but it is part of my story. And I have, I mean, this lawsuit has cost $3.2 million for work that I made for no profit, you understand? <laughs> so in a lot of ways, I have been persecuted through the creation of Fearless Girl. And this family friend came to me and I pushed him off. I said, yeah, but I'm not a digital artist. I don't know how to do that. No. And then a few months later, I start researching and I start making phone calls and I made a lot of phone calls. And I finally found a TV producer who doesn't really know much about NFTs, but it didn't matter because we cooked up things together. And I eventually, I went through two or three artists. I finally found Michael. I mean, this has been a really long road. This is like seven and a half months. But I will tell you, Rachel, that, you know, when I uh, was doing research, I'm trying to find a digital artist. I ended up calling a company, I think they were called Digital Arts New York. Excuse me. And I talked to a really cool guy there. And he's like, whoever you hire, you need to make storyboards. So he kind of educated, educated me about the basic idea of a storyboard for a movie, for a video, for, for whatever. And <clears throat> that's when I got super excited because it was the first time that I had been creative in five years. I mean, I do a lot of advocacy. I'm trying to help my lawyers. I'm, you know, <clears throat> doing, writing a lot of different things. And I'm not doing the creative clay work that I was doing before I made Fearless Girl. So for me, I see NFTs as a way to bring Fearless Girl into the modern era. And the fact of the matter is that there's not a lot of women in this space, only 7% of the women out there in Web3. 
So at least that was last August. So this is a way to entice people into the crypto space because of Fearless Girl. I've made a lot of friends that are in finance and they're not necessarily in crypto or Web3. So those people are saying, you know, how do I get an NFT? And they're really excited about it. So I think in some ways, um, the kind of person that's interested. Oh, no, I think Kristen's getting rugged. Can anyone hear Kristen? She's getting rugged. Kristen, you're getting rugged. Which essentially just means that Twitter is. You know what? My friend Todd called me again. My friend Todd. Damn it, Todd. He's got something to tell me. I don't know. But anyway, Todd has some nerve. I'm yeah, kidding. no, no, he's great. He's uh, he's um, <laughs> working on a thesis and he's uh, really involved in arts permitting in New York. And he's been absolutely amazing to me and for me and helping me in every which way. So I'm sure it's important. Um, but anyway, so, you know, this is a way to bring more women into a very different space. Uh, I don't think that Web3 is going anywhere. It's just going to grow more. So uh, there's another reason that Fearless Girl NFTs make sense. You know, those bronzes I make, those miniatures, they're really expensive. There's like a special box. There's PayPal freeze. There's storage for the granite. There's storage for the boxes. There's transport. There's all that stuff. And so many people have said, God, you know, I, don't you have anything less expensive? <laughs> so if you sign up for the whitelist at fearlessworld.us forward slash NFT forward slash, then you got a significantly lower price. It makes the NFT an image, imagery of fearless girl that you can own that's very feasible. And I kind of see, you know, for me, I did the Coin Agenda conference. I don't know if you guys know about Coin Agenda. It's Michael Turpin runs it. So much fun. And we're down in Puerto Rico and we went out partying and we went to this club and it was nothing but NFT digital art, amazing, moving art. And it's just a different way to see art, to view art, to incorporate art into your home. And I kind of see these NFTs being projected on the wall uh, really big, you know, for a children's room. I think it'd be so cool. So. That's where I can think. I ask a I don't know how much you can talk about in in terms of the yeah. lawsuit, um, but I I just I'm curious like in terms of like the IP like the intellectual property like going into this space, mm-hmm. is this something that you've like considered or is this something that we're kind of just do it and figure it out afterwards? Well, so, like where are you, you know, where are you at? The lawsuit is a, a contract law case. It's not really about intellectual property. The intellectual property ah, okay. was split. So I own the form that is Fearless Girl, and I have a right of fair rights, fair right use, which is a legal term, um, to the name Fearless Girl. But I didn't coin that name, and the bank owns the trademark name. So I really, you know, without disparaging the bank, which I pledged not to do. I would say this, uh, I created a limited edition of Fearless Girl in order to spread the messaging behind the artwork and to place her publicly in global locations. And when I started to do that, 
the bank sued me. They don't want another organization associated with Fearless Girl. And I feel very, very strongly that the work is about equality and diversity and that she needs to be presented by a diverse group of organizations all over the world. The ideals behind Fearless Girl are not solely financial. They belong in every aspect and at every strata of life. And to be very specific, even though the sign down the street from Fearless Girl says that she was placed in 2017 to call attention to the need for diversity on corporate boards, that is not her legal definition. And that's a big problem for me. So the legal definition is the empowerment of women, equality, equal pay, the education of women, education in the workplace for the prevention of prejudice, and the general well-being of women, and unofficially gender collaboration and diversity. So the point was that we were going to go in our separate directions to advocate for diversity, and it just didn't work out. I tried to uphold my pledge under the agreement I sold to a law firm in Australia who held a panel discussion on equal pay, but I extended to State Street an exclusive image right. And that image right was, I agreed to board diversity in the financial sector, but the final version of the agreement and the whole world was coming at me at that time, says diversity in corporate governance. Well, a discussion of equal pay is not corporate governance. But along the way in the panel discussion, someone piped up and said, well, you know, why do men make more money? Well, you know, part of it is because men are getting the senior positions, uh, the board positions that pays, pay the most money and skew the pay scale. And State Street says, well, that's an infringement on our exclusive right. Well, I don't think you can have an ethical or moral discussion of most of these ideals without touching on that corporate diversity. Well, I didn't make the work for them, and the, the rights only exist because I created the work. So I am the living version of Fearless Girl, and I have been entirely bulldozed by the government, by the corporation, by the system. The legal system in the United States doesn't support an individual like me. $3.2 million, I didn't make that with Fearless Girl. You can't imagine how creative I've had to be to get this far. And the case is not going in my favor. It is not. The corporate, the judge is like a former corporate lawyer. And he perceives this contract as being a corporate contract. And I did sign an agreement that said that State Street commissioned the work. They did not commission the work. But I agreed to that after an exhaustive fight for the word sponsored. And I did it because I was tired. I did it because I had incurred $100,000 worth of legal fees for a work that I made for free. And I did it because I understood that they would have no credibility since they didn't come on until two days before I finished the clay model, unless it said commissioned. So we, 
you know, they have a lot more money than I have, guys. And I am really, at this point, destitute. So I hope you'll support this drop. And I, I promise you that if I get through this, then I'll be setting up that children's educational program with Fearless Girl. And we will be doing the Fearless Girl Awards, the STEAM Studies Focus Awards, a black tie ceremony every year to support people, both men and women, that are at the top of their game in the STEAM studies. So the jury's not out yet, and we uh, have a ways to go in the case, but uh, this is really, really hard. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want you to feel sorry for me, but I'm telling you, this is the fight of my life. This is probably, aside from losing my parents, it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever gone through. And uh, I don't know that my rights have been uh, adequately uh, argued for or presented to the court. So I'm in the process of trying to find new counsel. That's it. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, this just it's is bad. so much bigger than I, yeah. I thought it was. It's really this bad. Case. It's, it's. You know, I mean, How, and I promise. Is there no? No, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask if any of the volunteer lawyers for the arts institutions are so, picking it up, or is anybody behind you on this? So interesting that you you asked that. First of all, I'm going to tell you, I spent two and a half months lobbying with the women's organizations, and it was my friend at Plan International uh, when I was in Paris. Uh, the financial was fined $5 million for underpaying their female executives and ethnic executives. And everything Fearless Girl in Paris was canceled. So I know these people, and I had a very frank discussion with them. And the woman said, you know, listen, I don't have enough money in my legal fund to even vet whether I can support you, you know, in this lawsuit, and I can't get involved. And I think that every, every, one of the women's organizations that I spoke to shared that sentiment. So that sort of went nowhere. I was hoping they would tell my story and sell T-shirts, and that never went anywhere. And I can't really sell a T-shirt that says, free, fearless girl, and, you know, somehow now I'm doing it with the NFT, so maybe I could. <laughs> maybe we could do T-shirts with our NFT drop. It would be fun, and I'll talk to the team about it. Um, but it's interesting that you brought up the volunteer lawyers for the arts. I mean, I'm kind of beside myself here. I'm not able to exploit the artwork, and I'll tell you why. I have a legal right to do that, but the, the control around the licensing would put a licensee at great risk. And this company is very clearly... Um, litigious. They have some 25 to 30 years of lawsuits in a long string, um, which I didn't know when I signed the agreement. So I don't really want to put a potential licensee at risk, although maybe I ought to give that a shot, I guess, if they know they know everything. Um, and then, you know, I have a client in Europe who has not unveiled his full-size fearless girl. And he's afraid he's going to be sued, like the client in Australia, which they won, and they won their appeal as well. And by the way, 
we are going to be auctioning a full-size Fearless Girl as an NFT a little bit later in May. So I want to give it a little more time to promote that fact. Um, but I did go to the Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts. I thought that I would make too much money to qualify. And, you know, people were like, no, nah, you got to try. And I, I did a panel discussion for the Art Museum the other night. And I said... You know, when you're fighting, uh, you're in an adversarial situation that, you know, the only thing that you can do is open another door, keep opening doors and see where it leads you. And I thought, okay, I've got to apply for the volunteer lawyers for the arts. Well, frankly, you know, with the situation I'm in, I do qualify, but I sell the miniatures and then I've pay all kinds of bills. And the analysis I did for volunteer lawyers for the arts was done by me. And the woman said, well, there's too many deposits in your account. And if an accountant had prepared this, then maybe, but we don't know any better. And there's just too many deposits. And so I said, well, listen, you know, can I get an accountant to do this for you? And then would you consider me? And she never emailed me back. So God damn, it's like you're you're Yeah, I'm like you're damned I mean, if you do, you're damned if you don't for International Women's oh Day. I did God. not sign up for this. And I am like blown away, well, Kristen, by this story. Let me let me add a little more to this. I you know, I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna be rich, you know. And I we set the price for the fearless girl, full size figures, and I thought this is great. I can do, you know, charitable advocacy, which I used to always feel guilty working these long hours in the studio and my friends are like doing the, the women's breast cancer march and all this stuff. And I would cry because I was like trying to make some big deadline. Right. So I was really excited. I love this message of gender collaboration. It was this perfect love story. I could advocate. I could do charitable work and I could also make money. Right. So, um, I lost my train of thought here. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. I do that all the time. It's my fault. I got too excited. No, no. I, well, you, I, you know what? Uh, but, oh, well, well, I know. I started a renovation, okay? Because I thought the money would continue to come in. And then I got sued. So I moved seven times. We gutted this little condo of mine. I moved seven times. I had no place to live. And we finally got to the point where I could live here, but I don't have doors. I don't have TVs. I don't really know what's going on. It's awful. And every cent goes to the lawyers. So, and they're, I don't think, damn it. I don't think they've represented oh. me well. So I, um, that's going on. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that don't really believe the way that some of us believe sometimes. And I've got some dear friends that I love, but they're like, hey, just that'll take the money and go on with your life. Go, you know, work on your love life. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I just, I am so different than they are. This is so wrong. What's happened is so wrong. And if I don't fight, then every other artist this company brings into a project, could be exploited the same way that I have been. And if I don't stand up to this corporation, then every other individual. I told people to stand up, women to stand up, and to fight for their rights. And I don't think I even knew what it was to fight for your rights. So here I am, fighting for my rights, and I might lose. 
And that scares the hell out of me because we are in the United States. And for any company, for me to make a work, it wasn't my idea, and I've never taken credit for that. But copyright law is clear. An idea, no matter what form it is in, no matter how it is presented, is not copyrightable. The only thing that's copyrightable is the physical form. And I'm the only one that made the physical form. And so far, the court is not recognizing that fact. So I don't really know what's going on, but I need to be seriously involved in this lawsuit. And I can't leave it to the lawyers anymore. I don't think they've done a good job. I just feel like there's got to be some like hotshot woman legal counsel that wants to take this and make this a landmark case because it's just I know it's so like yeah, everything anti fearless girl like you're it's, literally trampling all over a woman it's, like, it's really really it's bad terrible I, you know, I mean the I'm best thing that we got on April 11 was that public design commission meeting I was like really shocked but I sent them 24 pages of evidence you know there were certain allegations that were made in the presentation document that was submitted to the PDC, not by me, by the party that assumed the original. And uh, I, in the end, in the appendix, there were statements that undermined my copyright. And my friend said, oh, boy, you really need to, you know, you, you can submit a written statement. I'm like, oh, really? I find out 24 hours in advance, and I pulled an all-nighter. And I went through that document, and I refuted every bit of it. And when we did the meeting, I invited 30 people to come and speak about why they felt Fearless Girls should be permanent and what she meant to them. And it was the most beautiful meeting. You can find it at PDC, Public Design Commission review April 11. You can find it online. My speech was very tame, uh, designed for bureaucrats, but I listed the facts. And I said, listen, you know, there's another three-year temporary permit up for re review. So are we saying that diversity and equality are a temporary discussion? Because you know, World Economic Forum is saying 135.6 years to achieve gender parity. Well, at the end of that, I suggested, you know, we should truncate that to less than a year as temporary. And the PDC should advocate that the work be permanent. And that's exactly what they did. They decided she would be temporary for 11 months and that in six months, the parties needed to submit submit a proposal for permanence. So the question is, does State Street donate their casting and I get them to change the signage to reflect the ideals behind the work? Or do we remove their casting and replace it with mine? And I don't know if the if the government would support it because I don't have their support so far. So the reality was, and I know this call is way over time, I think, um, the reality was that when we unveiled, one party withheld the rubber mold. And then I went to the Department of Transportation, whose arts program we submitted the work under. And I said, hey, you know, I need access to my artwork to reclaim it because somebody's withholding the rubber mold. And the guy says, well, I don't know what your agreement with this financial is. And I said, I don't have an agreement with anybody. 
And he said, you don't? And he's like, well, to get a permit would take at least a month, if not more, and basically discouraged me. Then I went to one of the politicians. They really didn't do anything. So in the end, the only way to get my work back was to sign the agreement. Do you understand? And I believed that this company really had good intentions. I never thought this would happen. Or that they would fail to co-approve the use of the artwork on behalf of the people for five years. I'm done. You know, I, I wish there was an emoji for dislike or WTF, because I would have been blasting that emoji this whole time. Yeah, oh my I God. Mean, unbelievable. Folks, I just want to reset the room real quick for anyone who's just coming in. Um, we are here, Women of Web3. Uh, we're here three times a week. We're delighted to welcome uh, Kristen Visible to the stage tonight. Kristen is the is the creator of the Fearless Girl uh, sculpture that sits on Stone Street that has become iconic the world over. Uh, I mean, just so many, so many photographs of little girls stood next to that statue. We heard from our friend Kushana that, you know, she, it inspired uh, conversations with her, the children in her class. Like this is a world renowned piece of artwork. And unfortunately, Kristen has been embroiled, you know, in this embattled uh, lawsuit and, you know, now has this NFT collection coming out. Kristen, I, I need, we need to have a conversation, first of all, I, know. I need to, I need to, I want to be involved in this in some capacity. Um, but I do hope you'll, you'll stick around with us. I, I know our panel is like itching to ask questions. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I mean, listen, guys, I mean, first of all, Rachel, thank you so much. But, you know, this is kind of a catharsis for me. And probably most of what I just said, I probably shouldn't say, but, you know, three years plus, into a lawsuit, you get to a point where you don't care. So uh, ask away, fire away, ask me any questions you want. All right, folks, you heard it. You want to raise hands or if if there's, you know, more than one that wants to speak, let's just, uh, let's figure this out. And if anybody in the audience wants to ask a, a question to Kristen or, or comment on what was shared, please uh, request to come up. We're going to be here till probably about 10 p.m. Eastern, so another 40 minutes. All right, fellow speakers, does anybody want to jump in? It's what a lot. Your, what, what about your own experiences that, that maybe it's not a lawsuit, but, you know, what have you been struggling with and how do you deal with it? Go ahead, Sandy. Well, not everything is peachy king in Web3, right? We see a lot of theft. We see people using us. Yeah. I was working with a platform for a month. They kept stringing me along. On the one hand, they pretend they're new and they're trying to figure out what is compensation package. And then on the other hand, they act like they're professionals and they've been in the blockchain business and doing these platforms forever. And it took me an entire month to figure out that they were just riding me and they had no intention at all to pay me. So I feel like I lost $5,000 worth of work. Oh, no. and, 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 and it was like shocking that I like that I like saw that happen. And I, I don't know why it shocked me. You know, I don't know why that shocked me, but I guess it did. So, and then I hear all kinds of stories of theft and we're expected to do all these things and then not expect to get credit for it. And, and you know what, when I went to college, I was supposed to get financial assistance. I got financially cut off. I was starving. I had to wait tables for 30 hours a week. And I, and I survived my boss trying to rape me. 
because oh, my sister God. told my mother not to give me any financial assistance. My family had plenty of money and I was confused. We came to America for me to get educated. I was going to Berkeley and I had to survive. And you know what? My dad didn't know any of this. He had no clue. These are the silent wars women fight against each other. So not only do we fight each other, but the system fights against us too. We got layers of oppression that we got to swim through. But you know what? That's all right. Because we're tough. We're tough. You know, I think, um, I don't understand that, but I, I think... I think it's a true statement. For some reason, women seem to argue with one another. I don't, I don't see it in guys. Um, and I don't know why. I, you know, because really, we should just support each other. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I have fights with my friends, too. So does anybody have a comment about that? And I'm sorry about the theft because I hear a lot about that and I'm terrified. I don't know how to protect myself against it. Anybody there? I, I had an experience that I want to share about since we're all getting a little vulnerable tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're a bunch of bunch of women sitting around a campfire right now. So I kind of wish yeah. the space wasn't recorded. Um but that you know that's fine. Nobody listens to the records anyway. We're fine. It's better uh, it is, Rachel. It's better it is. And you know what? It was my brother who gave me $700 to finish my last semester. It was a man who helped me. I was going to go do go-go dancing and do strip because I wanted to graduate. I even went and interviewed at one of those sleazy places. And then I called my brother. I said, I need money. And he gave me $700. He literally saved my butt. Literally. You never know who's going to help you. And there's always some golden angel. <laughs> yeah. So my experience what were you pales in comparison. Yeah, it's I mean, it's nothing compared to what you went through, Kristen, but it's, you know, it's it's another example of artists just being treated like second class citizens. So I had uh, somebody had asked me to create a certain piece of artwork. Um, and let's just say it was a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll just say it was last year. OK, uh, <laughs> just don't want anyone doing the paper trail on this. <laughs> figuring out who it is but anyway uh i was at a fundraiser i was going to a fundraiser and the person who was hosting the fundraiser said hey i think you should do this piece of artwork and give it to this gift it to this politician okay very big politician i said great okay no problem did it gifted it the politician loved it i have a video of the politician accepting it talking about how much it inspired them, this, that, the other, all this great stuff, have all this on camera, right? Move forward five months, I get a uh, a note from the person who th threw the fundraiser saying, hey, could you send me the digital image of the artwork that you created that this politician's campaign wanted? And I was like, hmm, okay. It's a little bit odd, but sure. But of course, as somebody who's also a business owner, I said, well, I would like to know what they intend to do with the digital image, given that I gifted the original piece over six months ago. And this person responded and said, well, I don't know what they want it for, but you should probably do it sooner rather than later. OK, so this kind of went back and forth. And I was like, you know, I really want to be clear here that 
this is my intellectual property. And if I am sending this digital file, I kind of have a right to know what's going to be done with this digital file. There needs to be something, some exchange with me and the campaign directly, not with this middle person who was the fundraiser, to tell me what they're going to use it for. Within, exactly. yeah, within this went back and forth. And of course, I was never connected directly to the politician themselves. Um, and was then put in the situation of, well, if you don't do it now, they're going to ask another artist. Ask another artist to do what? Nobody has told me what the thing is. Like, what is happening? So I said, you know what? In writing, if this person is not willing to send me an email, tell me what they're going to do with my artwork, perhaps it's better that they do move on to another artist. Okay. Definitely. Two weeks later, in politico.com, here is the politician with tote bags and t-shirts with a replica of the artwork that I gifted to the politician. Mm. I felt like someone kicked me in the stomach. You know, you could file a claim against them, although I don't know if I suggest it. Exactly. So, and to make matters even worse. Yeah, but Rachel, if you do that, then you like look bad, right? Like I could go make a big stink and say, these people used me and they own me. And then no one would want to touch me. They would say, oh, she's one of those bitchy feminists. You don't want to be that angry artist. Right? It already happened. Mm -hmm. It already happened. So to make matters worse, the artist that they used to copy my work was a man. (laughs) Shocking. Um, The politician was a woman. So the fact that it was a woman, you know, I know know it's not the politician, it's the campaign. I know that it wasn't her personally. But anyway, the work was created. uh, It was utilized. It got visibility, whatever. But then to like just dig in, dig that knife even deeper. The person who ran the fundraiser, the one who wouldn't connect me directly, then sent me a text message when it came out in the press and said, basically, like, have a look what could have been yours. And I went, like, I I was just, like, totally devastated by this. As a creator that put a lot of time and effort into this work. Yeah. It was just... I'm so sorry. Yeah, and I grappled with it, Kristen. We were going to go see a lawyer. We were going to go... My wife is a lawyer, but she's a she's a public defender, and she was, you know, mm-hmm. looking at all the different ways that we could approach it. But it's exhausting, right? It, it, I mean, uh, I mean, really. But you it, know what, Rachel, you didn't do it. Next time, they're gonna have a harder time. You didn't go along. You didn't sign it. That means something. Mm-hmm. I didn't go along either. And next time, these people are gonna want to step on somebody else and use them up. They might not do it as much because guess what? Sandy Toes didn't go along. And right now they're scared and they should be scared. Right now I could have a big mouth and they should be scared. But right now I'm not even going to look back because I'm just going to look forward because there's so many opportunities. And guess what? My friend called me and said, don't even look at that. The Smithsonian's talking to me. I'm going to need your help. We're going to be onboarding for the Smithsonian. And when I heard that word, 
I forgot about that $5,000 because there is so much more waiting up for me ahead. But you know what? That company, those people, they didn't get me anymore. They don't get to step on me and they know that we're not going to do that in Web3. That's it. You didn't go along. You know what it was for me more than anything? Because honestly, the money wouldn't probably have even been that good, right? It was t-shirts and tote bags. But it was the idea that, you know, I've spent my career like advocating for artists, like artists that don't have a seat at the table. And I just felt like, here's me like being this mentor to up and coming. So many people. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm laying down and getting rolled over. Like I felt like a fraud. I'm like, I have to do something. But it was what what it ultimately came down to. And I did send a a really kind of uh, emotional, but firm letter to the campaign which they totally ignored. I never got a response, which I think is disgusting, but whatever. Um, But it was more about the energy exchange. I was like, it was right. It was right around January when I decided to come back into web three. And I, the decision to not file suit was based on, can I give the energy that I want to help people in web three whilst dealing with this really dark, person and this lawsuit and and the answer was no mm-hmm. i'm telling you it's a big old drain the lawsuit and i uh i didn't choose it but let me tell you something if i had the means financially i'd be filing a couple of other lawsuits right now in this whole issue but you know even if you go in with the best intention and i was no dumb bunny rachel i said we need to have an agreement I've never made anything in 19 years without an, an agreement. Oh, no, we don't have time. We don't have time. And I said, well, okay, I'll do it because I love the idea, love the message, but I won't deliver unless I sign it. And, you know, bottom line is I did try and cover myself. But it, when you're talking about a big company and the government, uh, it's kind of hard to fight against that ingrained system. And I'm doing it though. I'm going to try. I'm doing the best I can, you know, but, but I wouldn't recommend a legal dispute to anybody. It's so draining. It's financially draining. I mean, you know, I've been rendered bankrupt essentially. And, uh, it's a, it's just so stressful all the time. And, and then, you know, the people don't understand. They don't understand your case. They don't understand what's going on. And you're very much alone or with your lawyers. You know, that's it. Don't do it ever. A big collective deep breath <laughs> to all the women that have dealt with this shit for too long. Yeah, but um, why, you know, why? I don't. I never felt exploited as an artist, and boy, it's, I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't know where this is going to lead me. Here I am doing activist work, and, you know, maybe I need to take some law courses. Maybe, I don't know, you know, but I'm not going to let them take this work. This work is for the people. It can't be harbored by any company, including mine, or she doesn't have value. She doesn't have power. So I have to fight. 
Yes, and your funny is you're creating money out of thin air. All of us here are creating money out of thin air. <laughs> That's like, what is money, right? Blockchain. I don't care if it's Atom, Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever you've got. We're kind of creating money out of thin air and that's powerful and we're women. And I'm never going to lose sight of that because we are alive. We're part of this blockchain technology that's forming. And there's, and, and you know what? I'm close friends with the head of cloud computing at Microsoft. She's a Latina. She's a strong and you know what? I've heard her stories. There is women at all levels of society. And I do believe that block the blockchain technology is is it's a game changer for us women. I think it's a big game changer, guys. Yay. So we need to be growing the number of women in the blockchain scene then. But I want to say sorry for myself one day. And I was talking uh to a former lawyer for, I think it was Equality Now. And she listened to me for like an hour and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I didn't know where to get more money. She gets quiet and she's like, well, Kristen, it's not supposed to be easy. And I just kind of went, oh, (laughs) you know, nothing really worthwhile. Most things that are really worthwhile, they're not easy. They don't come easily. And you got to just hang in there for something that you believe in. I love that. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. So, but I just, you know, it never occurred to me that it's not supposed to be easy. So, so what well, I can't even get my son. Happening? I can't even get my son to take out the trash every night. He's, <laughs> he's 15 years old this year. And you know what? I, I've read like books about that, parenting books about that, because hey, it's not about the trash. Him? I can do it. He has Hello? just learned to do it. We can hear you. I can hear you guys. Yep. Yeah, I think you're back. I think you got temporarily rubbed. But um, yeah, this is this has been an incredible space tonight. We're going to be here for about another 25 minutes. Um, I love that we just never know where these conversations are going to go. Uh, you know, this is this space is about getting down to business, women sharing their experiences, their struggles, their success, uh, and all of the uh, the things that happen in between. Uh, Romy, please go ahead. Yeah, Rachel, I just wanted to to say that um, I'm really sorry for what happened to you. I think it's awful that they did that. And I mean, I cannot even imagine the feeling when when you saw that. So, yeah, I just wanted to show you my support. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know much about lawsuits. I haven't, I haven't gotten into one. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fighter usually, but I, I haven't gotten into the big leagues. <laughs> so I think not yet a lawsuit like Kristen or you. Um, but, um, I th- I do think that there's a, it's crazy, right? The energy that you get around the idea of a lawsuit. And it's interesting because as a, as a non-Native uh, American, I mean, yes, Native American from the American continent, South American continent, um, we don't think in terms of lawsuits. And it's kind of interesting that in the States, uh, everything, it's, you know, anything happens and you think about a lawsuit. And that's just something very cultural of, of the state. You know, whatever you do, you can law you you can put a lawsuit to someone, get their money, 
Uh, I mean, that's one of the things I learned moving into the U.S. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I guess that's kind of sad. <laughs> Sort of it's sad. sad. I'm sorry. Sad no, I, it's most, I learned beautiful things, Kristen. <laughs> it's the most litigious country on the planet. <laughs> and I say that being married to a lawyer, like I, it, it, but I do like to say my wife is, is one of the good ones. She's a public defender. But yeah, it's the most litigious. I'm from you the UK. Like, it, this country is so litigious, so litigious. It's crazy. There? But yeah, I just wanted to say that I'm really sorry about that. And uh, I'm going to slowly go to listener because in a little bit, I need to get my my voice to rest um, so that I can actually speak in the next uh, spaces, the next few days. So thank you so much for this conversation, for sharing everything, Kristen, Sandy, Rachel. Oh, no, thank you for your comments. Everyone. Really, I appreciate um, it. Yep. I, I, yeah, I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing with us your knowledge because it also teaches us a lot about what to take care and Kristen I don't know if you know but the only thing that I would recommend having been a little bit in the space is that you don't click on any links anyone sends you so that you don't get your wallet in your ETH and your NFTs stolen so that would be something to take care of like don't be connected to your wallet and click in a link or something like that if you see something suspicious don't touch it okay <laughs> You know, the guy, remember, I don't know, Do have any of you people heard of Coin Agenda, the Coin Agenda conferences? Remember I mentioned that we were down in Puerto Rico. It was... I've never heard of them. You what? They're not, I'm not familiar I mean, with them. it's so much fun. I think the website address is just coinagenda.com. You should check out, uh, check out, I think, I think that he's doing another one in Monaco, and I think... Is it Monaco? I think it's Monaco. And I think it's this month. I mean, actually, I, if I didn't have all this going on, I think I would go again. It is like a really great space to learn, to ask questions, to be a newbie, to be a seasoned Web3 person. I learned so much, learned about digital signatures, you know, heard people talking about, I don't know if you, any of Libre, these guys came up with free money, basically, and they were practicing sending like $5 to people in Ecuador without, you know, having to turn over any of their details. So uh, there was another person there that was talking about um, sustainable crops in the Dakotas, you know, things that are good for society. But the reason I brought up Michael Turpin again, who started uh, he created angel bits and he's like an old time crypto guy and he sent me an article some young kid uh pulled the sim card or something from his phone and ripped off like millions of dollars from him and i think he just sent it as you know this is an fyi don't let this happen to you <laughs> you know so oh, they're just... getting more they're getting even more like uh sophisticated than that they're lifting just from cell phones with a with a wi-fi connection so you know one of the things that is highly recommended is to have a cold wallet so if you have you know a collection of value make sure that you send the, the, those nfts to a cold wallet not a hard wallet not a wallet that is you know the little kind of ledgers 
but a wallet that you don't use to trade. Right, so right. Not... We just set up something that would be for the purpose of delivering NFT. Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. I have a separate one, right? I mean, yeah. honestly, that... I'm not really very savvy about, you know, what I'm doing. I'd like to earn a little money. I saw this NFT that I just, if I had the cash, I would have, I would have bought it on the spot. It was like a three and a half minute, gorgeous, like, mind trip you know that was all in greens and oranges and so beautiful i would have loved to have had that in my house you know and i can't remember the artist's name i think i saw it on nifty gateway i think so but uh yeah i mean if i can earn a little money through this then maybe i'll be a little more active like you guys um in sharing the wealth right in the space Absolutely. Equity, you know, spreading the wealth, hiring women, um, you know, just just as an aside, you know, we talked earlier, we do have a, a phenomenal Telegram channel. Uh, if you look in the links up top, uh, you'll find it. We have we have over 150 women on a Telegram chat, which for those who don't know Telegram, it's essentially just like WhatsApp. It's a it's a very easy to navigate uh, communication channel. Um, a lot of platforms favor Discord. I find Discord to be just incredibly overwhelming. Um, and it's also a hotbed for scammers. Uh, so we decided to keep our conversations on Telegram. If you are, you know, anybody, any women uh, or those who support women in the space and, you know, want to communicate with, uh, with each other, the, the Telegram link is up top. We also have a uh, a list of women who are looking for work, a list of women who are hiring. So we've already seen three hires, uh, one that I just learned of today. Uh, somebody hired an assistant from our Telegram group, which is just music to my ears because that is that is how we're going to change things. You know, we're going to we're going to elevate uh, each other. We're going to hire more women. We're going to try and bring it to as close to 50 percent as we can possibly get it. Um, but, yeah, we do need men. We need our allies to be stepping up, taking action. Uh, so, you know, this is a, a message to to the men in our lives, you know, do what you can to not just talk the talk. Like, where are you investing in women? Look at your NFT collection. What is the percentage of your collection that is by women and, and BIPOC? You know, what are you doing? Who is in who is on your board? Who are the people that are your advisors? If it looks like an old, you know, white man, no offense, uh, boardroom from the web two world yeah. you gotta rethink that that's not where we're going so you know all are welcome i'm so um, glad you said that I... yeah go ahead i think are you getting rubbed again by God? yeah go ahead Kristen. Yeah. go ahead I, i'm kind of i'm i have zero groceries now i'm in the car driving to the grocery store and you guys keep going in and out all i was gonna say is i'm so glad you said that um I love men and I have a couple of brothers who are so pro women. There's a lot of good men that I have to tell you when we unveiled Fearless Girl, 50% of the people who emailed me were men who believed in gender collaboration and wanted to support their wives and mothers and you know, sisters and, and daughters. So especially the daughters, right? So there are a lot of good men. We just you know, sometimes I think need to focus on what is good in this world and what is working instead of what's not working. 
So yes, there's still a lot of guys that are maybe not up to speed, but there's so many that are. That's right, Kristen. You know what? My dad lost his mother when he was five years old. She was pregnant. She fell on ice and she bled to death. My mother was the first woman to have a baby in the oh hospital. My so my mom had her babies. We were we were the first wow. you know kids to be born in the hospital because my dad was affected. So his generation got better, and he made sure his girls were educated. So it it is change, and it kind of it's generational, and and we are going forward. It just seems hard when we get smacked in the head like that sometimes, you know? Yeah, I mean this was a real eye opener, <laughs> but. Um... You know, just remember, we're all really strong together. I mean, that don't ever feel alone. And I think, you know, this is what I'm finding being so new to Web3. I mean, it's almost like a therapy session every time you do a Twitter spaces. And it's fun, you know, but there's no reason for anybody ever to be alone. We're always here for each other. All you got to do is reach out. Well, we can't go to bars anymore, right? That's we can't cool. go wine tasting. So we just hang out in Twitter spaces oh, and, and we drink our wine at home and we open up. It's bring your yeah, own beverage. I don't know. Here. I still are we doing, uh, are we the only ones that are talking here? Well, let's see. Krishana, you're still, are you still, I'm not yes, sure. I am still here. Awesome. Awesome. So we are going to probably wrap up in about 10 minutes time, but I would love to know any, Let's see. Let's let's put out a word of wisdom that we can pass on to a woman in this room. Uh, let's go, Sandy. I don't know. Be strong like flowers. Flowers have to put up with a lot. You know what I mean? It's harsh, but they still persevere and they still blossom. Blossoms turn into flowers. You are all blossoms, my dear. What about? I love uh, that. <laughs> that is beautiful. What about a Web three uh, hack? Something that you've learned uh, that you wish you'd learned sooner that maybe you could pass along. Okay, don't waste your time shilling in those shills where they say, "Show me your NFT." Okay, I wasted a lot of time. There are a lot of there are a lot of bad actors. And you know, there are real collectors, like find out which ones are the good shills. Like some real collectors will say, hey, I'm buying and they don't waste your time with the baloney ones. And just because they got a 10,000 followers does not mean it's a legit account. OK, that's that's something I wish I wouldn't have waste time on. Would. Uh, let's go. But how do you to... know the difference? Oh, there's ways. Wait, how do you know the difference? So the, the 101 is, and I'm going to share this as my tidbit, uh, Twitter verification no longer means jack shit. Sorry, folks, for the language, but it means nothing. The blue check mark means nothing. The way that you can tell if it's somebody legitimate in the space is go look at their most recent posts. Look at their, most, their three most recent posts. Look how many likes, how many comments, how many retweets they've got. But you've still got to go deeper than that. Go look at who is liking the posts. If it is crypto Web3 related people, good. It's probably not because what's been happening is people, uh, baseball players, soccer players, et cetera, have been selling their verified accounts for ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. So just be really cautious that a blue check means absolutely nothing in this space. 
by the way, some of these bot accounts talk to each other. A friend of mine took screenshots of what happens when Twitter bots talk to each other. It is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> All right, Krishana, what's your uh, what's your takeaway or your uh, some advice you want to leave our, our our women in the room with? I think I always get so much from every space that I'm in with people. So I think for me, it's just continue to be real and be vulnerable about your journey, you know, before Web3, your journey into Web3 and like where you want to go, because I feel that that's the way that we're going to make connections with each other. That's the way that we're going to build community. That's the way that we're going to support each other. And I think that if we continue to learn from each other, if we continue to support each other, we're going to make it together and we're going to get to where we want to go. Wag me. For anyone who doesn't know, wag me is we are all going to make it the most overused term in Web3. Kristen, what are you leaving us with? <laughs> oh, no pressure. man, I don't have any ground breaking advice. No, I mean, for me, it's your personal mantra. Yes, you can. You can do and be anything you want to be. It all begins with you. You are the one that creates your own reality. Yes, you can. That's all. Love it. And it's really early too, you guys. It's really early, right, Rachel? It's, I mean, this Web3 is really early. I mean, it's so early. I went to the Tezos blockchain people, like like the people, like the main people. And I'm like, yeah, we sort of like need a handbook so the NFT artists can just know like A, B, C, D, E. <laughs> they were like, well, we don't have that yet. Because, you know, they're all like super technical people who are like inventing the railroad. And they're like, Sandy, you, you should do it, Sandy. And so that's it. We're, we're the ones. We are the change, you guys. We got we got to lift. We got to lift this burden, and we got to make these things. And so, yeah. And, and I think we're gonna go down in history as one of the most important. Like, like we're like the Renaissance. We're the Monets. We're the Salvador Dalis. You know, we, we, we're, we're the Gucci's of this generation. Whether it's music, or whether it's poetry, or whatever you're doing. So just hang in there, Kristen. Yeah, I will say as well. Ah, uh, uh, thank you. Hey, uh, you guys. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Kristen. I just, I just wanted to say, anybody in the New York area, do you guys know Brooklyn NFTs? Because they do regular meetings where people can. I went, I drove up to the city for this for my friend Katie, and she's uh, in Brooklyn NFTs, and they do the little panel discussion where they have like three people speaking and maybe twenty people in the audience, and you can ask any kind of question you want. It was great. I really had a good time. That's By the way, people, you know, it, there's only Brooklyn like 3,000 people in this whole space. Oh, sorry. I just want to say it's like high school. There's like the seniors, the juniors, the freshmen, and the sophomores. There's only 3,000 people in this entire space. And after four or five months, you're going to know everybody. So anybody who's a bad actor, that's how we're going to know them. And by the way, Kristen, the fake shield posts, if they're actually real collectors, they post what they collect. And if they've gone on for two months saying, show me your post, and they haven't shown it, that's a quick way of knowing they're fake. Yeah. And I will just say, okay, good. Thanks. To, I, I started, a few of you know, but I started a, uh, a Web3 marketing agency. I believe 
we're literally the only woman-owned Web3 marketing agency. Uh, we've only been around for about six weeks at this point. And we're, we have amazing clients. Women X Matter are my, my superstar clients right now. Um, and I just love helping women grow and build in this superstar? space. Superstar? Did you say superstar? Yes, superstars. I'm sorry. You said you said superstar. Yeah, what did you think I said? I had to chime in because that's the name of the job. Oh, well, no, you no, just said look at my this. superstar clients, and I said, did you say superstar? <laughs> See, look, there's so much synergy so, in this room right now. Superstar, you mean me? all of the superstars on this stage but yeah look we are doing amazing things we're building we're growing we are early as cliche as it as it sounds we hear it so often but we are you know we're, we're the trailblazers and we're here to learn out loud and to help each other and my dms are certainly always open and i i look forward to uh just continuing this conversation with you so we're going to be back on thursday at 2 p.m we have some amazing founders uh, who've been building in Web3 for about a year. Uh, so much value in the, in those sessions. So be sure to, to come join us. And again, if you want that link to the Telegram channel, it is up top. If you didn't get a chance to get it, uh, do just drop me a DM and I'll make sure you get that link. And that is it from us for now. Thank you to Sandy, to Kushana, to Kristen, uh, to Solid Women, uh, to everybody else, to Romy. Uh, to everyone who came up on the stage and to those who have been actively listening in the crowd as well, we really, really appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Kara Spaces. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Women in Web 3, hosted by Rachel Wilkins, recorded on Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often in the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements of course we're tripping balls handed reports in the latest proof ain't a way to move change of view just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop picking at the dinner finger licking like the plate is gizzle kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do two plus two show me what that thing could do two plus two show me what that thing could do two plus two show me what that thing could do Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch Dope shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastise into digging holes in the back nine The latest proof ain't a way to move Change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads Living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger Licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute Then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two 
Show me what that think it do. Two plus two. Ten spaces.